surreal. Yeah, it's yeah. that's that's what I'm going for. Yeah, I like I like surreal. All right, we will get started. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Punk Rock Barbershop. And as always, the Punk Rock Barbershop is coming to you from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, also known as Marion Anderson City. And in the Punk Rock Barbershop, we have black artists and black creatives talking about their origin stories, their life's journey, their career trajectory, and the white artists that have influenced them and how they feel about those influences. Uh, today, I have a, uh, a gentleman who uh, this is literally the second time that I've ever spoken with him. We spoke once on the phone. And this is like literally our first time actually meeting yeah. in person. Uh, so why don't you tell the good people that are listening, uh, yeah, who you are, what your name is, and uh, like what what you do? Okay. Hello, people. Hello, everyone. Um, my name is John Rice. Um, I am, as of this week, a manufacturing engineer, and aerospace manufacturer. So, a uh, quick question: Did you yes. did you study aerospace engineering in school, or like what did you study? I studied general engineering okay. at Drexel University. Nice. And graduated last year. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, the main reason I ask is, um, my oldest brother is an aerospace engineer. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He went to San Diego State, okay. and he works for a very small company in San Diego. I think he does mm -hmm. a lot of the. Um, like he's more of like a behind the scenes person. Like I think yeah. he, they they get a lot of government contracts, and he does okay. like a lot of the making sure that the specs work with yep. the the uh, you know the regulations and mm. things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. So you're so so you're in the engineering field. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. And you say and you studied at Drexel. Yeah. Uh, 2013 to 2018. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and as far as like the world of artistic endeavors, do you have any like art that you do or are you just into, you know, different types of artistic things? So the the main one that I'm trying to do right now mm -hmm. is uh, complete a novel that I started. Nice. Um a little bit before I came to Drexel. Okay. Um, been working on it in, uh, the entire five years and finished the first draft of it a couple of years ago. Awesome. And I'm trying to get back into a regular rhythm of yeah. writing it. But outside of that, I like to draw. I like to, um, let's see, I don't have like, I like film mm -hmm. and video. I don't have like editing software or anything like gotcha. that. But I like watching all kinds of films nice. and reviewing them. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Like, do you so, um like do you have a particular platform that you do the reviews on, or, or are you just like you corner your friends in the living room, being like, I don't know, don't watch Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> it's the dumb, dumbest movie or ever. Or do watch Chronicles of Narnia. It's the greatest movie ever. Yeah, more of the latter. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Part of me would. Part of me feels like at some point I want to do mm -hmm. a YouTube channel or something yeah. like that and write reviews. Um, but uh, yeah, it's if I can get my friends to say more than I liked it. Sure, I didn't sure. like it. It's like, yeah. but why? Mm -hmm. Why did you mm -hmm. dislike it? What yeah. about it was like made you feel this emotion? If yeah. anything, so yeah, it's uh, it's part of the reason that I wanted to start the podcast is so that I didn't have to, so I could talk about these things with people who actually like are, you know not care yeah but like right. care about them as opposed yeah. to like trying to stuck you know talk about stuff with my wife and trying to i don't like right. deconstruct 
you know, an episode of Key and Peel or something. She's yes. like, I just want to watch TV. Like, why are you? But why, so why are you talking more. for five hours? Yeah. <laughs> you know about uh, you know the latest. You know, uh, I don't know. No, I I feel you so yeah. much. Just awesome. Like, just it's like pulling teeth a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. tell me more than you know the the base level of what you thought. Yeah, something. yeah, and like especially for me because so I went to art school. I went to University mm-hmm. of the Arts. I have a BFA in acting, and nice. so. Um, like all of my college life was just like all of us sitting in a living room, just mm. talking for three hours about like, it's, uh. it's like, oh yeah, like, you know, this one Saturday Night Live skit we can talk about for two hours and, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll yeah. deconstruct the differences between Kids in the Hall and Monty Python. Right. And then like, yeah. you know, my, like my wife is kind of into some of that stuff, like mm-hmm. a little bit, but she's like, I no, she's like she doesn't want to. She loves Seinfeld, but she doesn't want to talk to me for like three hours. Yeah, do a deep Seinfeld. dive. Yeah, yeah, she's not interested in the deep dive. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, you'll uh, you'll start some type of uh, platform to do your your film reviews in addition to you know your novel that you yeah. are working on. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as far as you know, as you can tell right now, like in a perfect world, mm-hmm. would you want to be a novelist, or is the goal like let me write? a novel and see how that feels and get it done and then see what comes after that. No, I think in the perfect world, I would be a novelist. Okay. Um, and though I say novel, it's one of five books in gotcha. the story that I want to write. Okay. And that's one story of many stories that I have that I want to write. Okay. So, so are you intending to write like a whole series about like a particular universe and, you know, yeah. people? Yeah. With this book I'm working on now, I have it planned out in my head that it's going to be five novels yeah. total and then finish it and then go on to a completely different universe and story and characters. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, uh, and you, and you studied like general engineering in yes. school, which up until like three years in my school, I did not know was a thing. I thought you had gotcha. to specialize yeah. in mechanical or electrical. Or yeah. I had no idea. I had yeah. no idea. No. Uh, did I mean, did you ever consider going to school for writing or, you know, like some type of, arts or were your parents like no you you got to go to conventional college or yeah yeah so yeah. The, so the the long and short of this story of me becoming an engineer was i applied to drexel to get into their film and video program mm-hmm. which is also pretty strong um but my parents didn't see me have a passion for film and video gotcha and they're like we want you to have a lucrative career and be in a fil- field that's really stable mm-hmm. and engineering is right up that alley. Sure. And Drexel specializes in engineering, so that's what you're gonna do. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, I'm like, I don't like advanced mathematics, mm-hmm. like beyond pre-calc as much, and science. Um, but that's kind of what I had to do because I thought I needed to listen to my parents and do yeah. something that made sense. But it was not my field. It was I got you. Me, yeah. Uh, what do you think the probability is that your parents are going to actually listen to this podcast? Uh, if I share it with my dad via text message, mm-hmm. very high. Okay. If they never find it, which they might not. Sure, sure. Which uh, I'm probably going to share it with them anyway. I'm fine. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah. No, I. So I am someone, honestly, I, like I have very strong feelings about. Mm-hmm. Um, parents like you know essentially like telling their kids like oh like you know you got to study this thing i mean i was lucky in just that like my parents always supported what i did um really like they 
they've always just wanted us to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I have two older brothers. And mm-hmm. for me growing up and my brothers, like college was a non-negotiable. Like everyone went to college. I honestly okay. didn't really know people didn't go to college. So gotcha. so it it wasn't like, oh, I gotta go to college. I'm like, well, everyone goes to college. <laughs> it's just like the next thing that you do. Yeah, it's culturally normal. Yeah. Um but but yeah, I mean like when I wanted to go to art school, like they were they were fine <laughs> with it. Um, you know, I the whole like stability and safety thing. Mm-hmm. What I've learned is that nothing is stable. Like no, literally no industry is a, is certain because technology always makes things obsolete. Um, Social break. All right. I think we're back. All right. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Um, yeah. So like technology can always make stuff obsolete and you're, you're taking a risk with everything. And mm-hmm. the thing that I have learned you know, I'm a bit older than you. I'm 40. Is that you can be in a very safe, secure job and be miserable. Like, mm-hmm. and, yep. you know, um, I know because I've been there myself where even if I was making five times as much money, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's cool. Like, but like the money will wear thin after a while. Right. And, you know, and it's it's a thing of. If someone would give me a million dollars a year, but like I had to work 40 hours a week at a job that I hated, or like mm-hmm. you could make 70,000 working 60 hours a week at a thing you love, like mm. the it's better to take the like the 60,000, right? So, um, yeah, so I just wanted to throw that out there yeah. for you, but you know, I, I do think that you're it's tricky. When you're dealing with parents and like, you know, you don't want to be disrespectful. And I mean, if yeah. they're, especially if they're paying for college and like, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know. I love my parents. So if my parents were like, you have to do this thing, I wouldn't be like, F you, I'm going to do it. It's like, right. uh, yeah, right. I'd, I'd find a way no. to like do the work around. But yeah, I think you're in a good position of, um, you know, you can write a novel on your own time so you can like work the job and, yeah. you know, save just sa- save your money. That's, yeah. that's the main thing. Don't spend it all. So that way. No. If you need to like take a big leap of faith and be like, oh, like, you know, maybe um, I only work part time so that I can, you know, mm-hmm. work on the devote myself to this novel. If you have, you know, thirty thousand dollars saved yeah. up in your savings account, it makes that easier. Yeah. And that's probably going to be at some point in the future. I hope more near future than far where I'll have to encounter that intersect of I no longer want to do this job yeah. that is supporting uh, me financially. Sure. And, lifestyle wise and just instead pursue my passion yeah and go full into it and take a job that isn't going to pay me as much but will still help me like get by mm-hmm. until i mm-hmm. like bring my my novel to fruition yeah absolutely you know? absolutely yeah. um all right so let's uh you know so let's sort of dive into your origin story a bit and we were Certainly. talking a little bit about this uh when we were upstairs so where are you from? Where did you grow up, John? I grew up in five states. And to clarify that, I was born in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, so about 45 minutes uh, west of where we are now. Yeah. And then after a year, my parents moved down to Delaware for two years. And where in Delaware was this? Uh, I don't think I can remember the town off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Delaware's a very small state, so <laughs> it's every, everything is close to Wilmington. Apologies to anyone from <laughs> Delaware that is offended by what I just said. Chris Waters, <laughs> if you're listening to, to this, Jith, if you're mm-hmm. listening to this in my 
if my brother's old uh, college mm-hmm. roommate Ray is listening to this, my apologies for yes. offending the the good people of Delaware. Yes, and my friend Timothy Merkel, if he ever listens to this as well. Timothy, please do not uh, do. I apologize for disrespecting the the home of tax free shopping. <laughs> All right, so uh, so you lived in Phoenixville for a little bit. You lived yeah. in Delaware for a little bit. Yeah, Del- and where else? Delaware for two years, and then we moved down to Alpharetta, Georgia, mm-hmm. for a couple years. Okay. Um, and then my brother was born in Delaware. I don't think I said that before. Um, we we moved from Alpharetta, Georgia, up to Massachusetts, and in a place called South Grafton, which is like maybe two hours outside of Boston. Okay. Um, and then after that, we moved to Sudbury, Massachusetts, mm-hmm. which is forty five minutes outside of Boston. And up until then, that was the longest place I'd lived in. Gotcha. Um, and then in two thousand seven, my family moved one last time to Illinois. And right now my family, or at least my parents, have mm-hmm. lived in Lake Zurich, Illinois, for the past um, 12 years, since 2007. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. And so you have one brother? Yes, one okay. younger brother. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, is he, like, in high school now or college? or? He is in college right now. Okay. Um, he went to the University of Chicago. Oh, cool. Um, and was studying chemical engineering. And nice. found, actually, last night, actually, that he... Um, changed majors to computer science and okay. is now uh, studying at a community college and getting credits there before he goes back to a two-year institution. Gotcha, gotcha. He's, he's taking the path that I would have preferred to take with yeah. college, but I'm glad for him. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And yeah, I mean, something that I've, uh, I have learned in life is, you know, one, there's just certain things that you don't necessarily have control over. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's not much you can do about it, you know, yeah. especially if it's parents being like, yeah, like you probably got to mm-hmm. do this thing. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, is that sometimes you do things and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. if I if I had to do it over again, I don't know if I would have done it that way. Yeah. But also it's like, well, you could have done it the complete opposite way and it might not have worked out and Mm -hmm. i mean life is a lot of experiential learning so there there are a lot of things that it's like i don't necessarily regret i just look back and think like oh i think that there were there are more efficient and productive ways that like i could have gone about that and learned the particular life Mm -hmm. lesson however Mm -hmm. i also feel like if i had gone those routes one, I literally had no idea that those routes existed. So, yeah. like, I, I couldn't do a thing that I didn't know. It's like, well, I didn't know you could do that. Two, it's like, eh, I don't know if I would have learned. Like, the, the lesson that I ultimately learned from doing that, I mm-hmm. don't think I would have learned if I hadn't made that mistake. Even sometimes right. investing in people and things and ideas where it where it's a thing of, oh, I used to believe that thing, and actually I think that that idea is actually completely wrong or counterproductive. It's like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. you believed in it at the time, so. Yeah, but then you grew a little bit, and then your perspective changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and if I I could say on that, like, while I do wish my parents had let me have a little bit more freedom with how I went about my college search and all of that, um, I know that they, like, did it because they wanted to make sure that I had a good future. Absolutely like what I needed to like enter the working world mm-hmm. and like be in a stable environment and such. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It just so happened that like in going to Drexel and that being a tough time for me, I also like uh, came to faith as a Christian, mm-hmm. um, which 
without that, I don't really know how I would have made it through Drexel. Sure. Because sure. it just, it rooted me in something that was beyond like getting a good grade and also being uh, successful in whatever yeah. sense that Drexel has for that, which is like be ambitious and like mm-hmm. do everything which you can't really do. Right. Um, and then the world, and then everyone else has sense that it's like make enough money to mm-hmm. take care of yourself, provide for yourself. It's like, well, what do you do if you don't, if you're in a space where you don't feel like that is you at all mm-hmm. and like how do you thrive right and so like my faith is like what sustained me through all of that oh absolutely so, absolutely yeah. and i also feel like um you know it's something that my mom had said multiple times and it didn't necessarily dawn on me until a couple of years ago where to a certain degree, I feel like raising kids is kind of a crapshoot of like you you do the things that you think are going to situate them yeah. best for success. Mm-hmm. You don't really know how it's going to turn out. You don't really know how they're going yeah. to react to it. And you could conceivably have four children, raise them all the exact same way with the same discipline and the same amount of love and the same amount of like allowance or whatever. Right. And they all four could turn out completely different. And right. some might be like, oh, you were the best parents ever. And some might be like, why did you do that? Yeah. So it's like, you don't really know. No. Um, and I also feel like, you know, because um, like even with my parents, I feel like my parents did a certain amount of not coddling me, but like my dad was, my dad and my mom both like grew up kind of financially lean you know i mean like they didn't come from a lot of money they didn't necessarily come from a lot of resources so like they didn't necessarily want me to like have to deal with like a lot of hardship growing up and so they didn't coddle me but i was certainly like sheltered and on the one hand it was good because i grew up with a very optimistic disposition that i feel that comes from being in this like super loving environment and like, you know, your parents are like, yeah, like, you know, we can explore anything. Mm -hmm. We can try anything. You want to do little league. You want to do karate. You want to do summer camp. Yeah. Like, yes, 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 yes. Um, so like, that's the good part. But then the tough part about it is understanding at a certain point. It's like, well, actually I have to make a decision because there's literally 37 options that I can do. And while I'm, contemplating these 37 options and trying to figure out like what's the thing that's most going to fuel my soul. I'm literally mm-hmm. running out of money because I have, I, I am not working a job. Right. So I'm yeah. sort of like, well, like maybe they should have been tougher on me, but then it's like, but if they were tougher, I probably would have been like, well, why were you know, they should have been more loving. So yeah. it's like literally yeah. no matter what your parents yeah. do, I guess yeah. it, it could have been done better maybe, but they're, right. they're people working with the information that they have. Right. And you, are you the firstborn? I'm the youngest. Youngest. Okay. Yeah. I'm the youngest of three. And, um, and my parents were less strict on me than my brothers. I mean, like my parents uh-huh. were kind of the, in my group of friends, like I had the strictest parents, okay. I mean, but they weren't like, my dad wasn't like spanking me or like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to stand in a corner for 12 hours, you know, like, I mean, their rules yeah. were pretty, I thought pretty normal. And some people were like, dude, your parents are strict. It's like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I'm like, I'm the youngest of, of three. Okay. And so I think that with certain discipline, like they were just tired of disciplining my yeah. brothers. So with me, they were just like, I don't know, whatever. Yeah, just do um, stuff. yeah. And then I think also they were like, well, he's got two brothers. So if he doesn't listen to us, maybe he'll listen to them. Right. And honestly, my oldest 
my oldest brother is nine years older than mm-hmm. me, so he left the house to go to college when I was seven. Okay. So like I didn't really grow up with him, but he was he acted more like a dad than a like a cool brother. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't like the kind of brother that would like give me a beer, or give me cigarettes. Like okay. he was always like, "Don't do that." So okay. I had yeah. I had a I had a very uh, yeah. I you guess had, you had three parents growing up. I had I had three parents growing up and we lived down the street from my grandparents and uh-huh. and they were strict and my grandpa especially mm. cuz we were my my grandpa was my dad's stepdad so okay. he he never had children of his own so he didn't really know how to relate to kids so he was like really strict like in a he wasn't again yeah. not beating us or anything but like there's a disconnect a little Yeah bit. yeah he didn't understand that like little kids are goofy and they like run around and like you know do kid stuff and he'd yes. be like why are you doing that like yeah. stop doing that but i mean yeah. he's one of the you know he, i mean he's passed away but he's mm-hmm. one of the greatest human beings i've ever you know had the pleasure of knowing um all right so i want to so i want to like dive into uh you know you're you're a novelist and i don't yes. i don't even say aspiring novelist because you know i you know i'm mm-hmm. uh, you know you if you claim that you are a novelist you 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 I feel like the like owning the title is mm. more important than um, writing the the book. Yeah, I mean, I mean, eventually yeah. you got to write the book. I mean, you can't just walk around being like, "I'm a novelist," and they're like, "What are your books?" And you're like, <laughs> "Yeah, well, I haven't written them yet. They're all in my head. They're all in my head." Yeah, but I feel like a novelist. Yeah, and I'm gonna let me see if I can make you a little. Less breathy. No, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, you don't sound breathy. Uh, for the audience that's listening, I'm adjusting John's microphone. Yeah. I don't know how this technology works. Yeah. So I feel like if you if you kind of like hunch down and kind of like talk into the top of the microphone, it'll sound Got a little it. louder. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was that too soft the entire time? Uh, no, it wasn't too soft. It'll it it'll be a little bit of a challenge to make the uh. I want to be able that I want to make sure that people can hear this if they're just playing it on their phone or on their laptop not with headphones in mm-hmm. like if if someone has headphones on it'll be very easy okay to hear but yeah. um and also i just naturally speak very loudly because i went to theater school so yeah you have to project so, yeah so i i want to make sure that uh you sound your volume is comparable to mine okay yeah. all right i'm yeah. very soft-spoken so apologize to anyone who's unable to hear half what i say <laughs> i'm working on it uh, it's all good it's all good <laughs> Um, so like, when did you, when did you, when did you learn, like discover that you wanted to be a novelist? When did that happen? That is a good question because to be honest, I started off wanting to like do, uh, cartooning and, Mm -hmm. uh, anime type stuff. Um, and going to like, uh, film and video and into the movie industry as a director and somewhere along the line in writing my and drawing out characters mm-hmm. and then writing stories for them, I realized that I kind of like the form of writing mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a, I'm a visual person, sure. so that's always going to be my the meat of my media. Yeah. But um, yeah. As far as writing goes, I think that started to come to uh, fruition around when I moved to Illinois. Okay. And how old were you when you moved to Illinois? I was 13 going into seventh grade. Okay. So yeah, I, sh- I should have been 13 because I'm birthday September 21st. So I nice. am very late. Gotcha. Gotcha. Calendar. Gotcha. 
Um, so you just recently had a birthday a week ago. Yeah, a week ago. Happy birthday, man. Thank you. How old are you now? 25. 25. Yeah. It's a good age. It's yeah. a good age. Yeah. I remember when I was 25. Yeah. Tatiana said, I am now a quarter of a century of the year old. And yeah. That's what I'm sticking with. Yep. Yep. That. <laughs> stick with that you'll be you'll be fine mm-hmm. um all right so so when you're so when you're like doing illustrations and like and mm-hmm. sort of more in the visual medium uh like was it a thing of you were like i don't know super into certain cartoons you're like oh i'm gonna draw like my version of uh I, whatever was big when you were like 13 like what was big then uh, dragon ball z i don't know dragon I'm, ball z was i'm trying to yeah i'm i was born in 1979 so i'm i'm out right. of touch with you young people <laughs> and all of our all of our fandoms mm-hmm. um yeah i grew up watching dragon ball and dragon ball z okay and so a lot of influence from that particularly when it comes to action okay and like really big scale interstellar mm-hmm. conflict okay um and characters having in Saying superpowers. Yeah. And so, um, like, you were making stuff like that? I was like, that's how my mind would work. When okay. I had an action scene, it would just be like really giant punches that mm-hmm. bust through planets yeah. and like breaking mountains and all of that. Um, in terms of like drawing characters, it more of stemmed from like Yu Yu Hakusho, actually. Okay. I have no um, idea what that is. So, I, uh, just so you know, in the world of like animated stuff, gotcha. I grew up with, you know, the standard. So like as a little kid, the cartoons that I knew were like Smurfs, uh, uh, DuckTales. And then, you know, for more like cool boy stuff like G.I. Joe Transformers, mm-hmm. uh, Ren and Stimpy was really big when I was in high school and like okay. the Rugrats. And then yeah, yeah, I stopped yeah. doing that. I was I've I've never like really been into like anime or um manga manga i don't even know how to pronounce it so like that so like the whole like spirited away like i like i kind of know what it is but i'm like uh, i don't really it's alien yeah yeah so like that's like that's all i know and it's really only um I mean, like, and I, like, I, I knew that Dragon Ball Z was a thing, yeah. and I knew that, um, like, Naruto was a thing, because, mm-hmm. like, I would hear kids talk about it, but I'm like, I don't know what it is. Right. So, j- right. just so you know okay. that about me. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, a lot of my, like, story ideas um, in developing all of that came from, like, those gateway anime, mm-hmm. Dragon Ball Zs, your... Yu Haka shows, Inuyasha's. I, I know you don't know all yeah. of those names, but like essentially it was like shonen stuff. So okay. young boys going on an adventure and they have a bunch of friends that help them on their quest to be the greatest fighter, which is like gotcha. Dragon Ball Z or like Demon King or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so like that's what gravitated. Those are the kind of stories that gravitated towards me. Mm-hmm. Like these characters going on these adventures and they have these superpowers and they're like encountering all these like interesting villains and yeah. tough situations and how do they like resolve those conflicts gotcha. like, with their powers that they've gained. Okay. 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 Yeah. And so, so like you're, you're making that type of stuff and then like mm. walk, like walk me through the evolution from you're 13 and you're yeah. doing that and you're now 25 right. working as you know, working on novels. Mm-hmm. So how, how did you get from that a point to the point that you're at now? Right. So, like, in the beginning with, like, looking at anime and just, like, kind of replicating what I saw, whether it's, like, just drawing a character or sometimes, like, in a completely different um, setting, I would do, 
uh, drawing animals or like weird creatures Mm -hmm. or monsters that I would come up with. Um, My mom actually introduced me and my brother to Hayao Miyazaki, who's okay. very, you know, the Japanese uh, so, uh, <laughs> director. The, the only reason that I know about him okay. is there was an episode of Saturday Night Live a couple of years ago, okay. and Jimmy Fallon was the host, uh-huh. and one of the skits was Celebrity Family Feud, uh-huh. and Jimmy Fallon plays... Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory, but like okay. as Sheldon, so like okay. he's wearing the Green Lantern shirt, okay. and yeah, and yeah. so and like the you know the question is it's like you know uh, next survey question you know name something that like women find very sexy, and so then Jimmy Fallon as Sheldon mm-hmm. uh, you know says something like uh, you know uh, a Hayao Miyazaki shirt or something. Oh my god! Yeah. So like and and then and then Keenan Thompson is playing Steve Harvey, and he's like he's like. Who the hell are you talking about? And he's, he's he's like, oh, you know, the the great creator who, you know, who created, uh, you know, whatever the movies and show. Away. Yeah, yeah, like, okay. yeah, he created yeah. Spirited Away. Oh, wow. So so I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, oh, so I'm like, oh, that's the guy who created Spirited Away because yeah. I had heard of Spirited Away. So that's literally the only reason wow. that I, I know who that person is. But what is. an entry point. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, His film Spirited Away, the first one that was really largely introduced to the u.s mm-hmm. he's friends with john lasseter uh the head of pixar oh okay gotcha head of pixar gotcha gotcha now. um when i watched that with my brother which i i do a quick segue as i watch it now and show it to people they're like if i watched this as a kid i would be absolutely terrified yeah 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 of all the weird mm-hmm. creatures mm-hmm. and spirits and demons happening and this, like as a kid me and my brother we loved it we yeah. thought it was so interesting yeah and so cool but the way that he presented characters mm-hmm. in complete contrast to Dragon Ball Z where it's like scream for five minutes, you get a superpower and then you defeat the bad guy with this right. huge fire blast. Right. It's just this little girl trying to get back home and gotcha. find her parents. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't any like large scale action scene. Mm-hmm. Like the biggest thing was her uh, trying to clean off this spirit that's been uh, caked on all this pollution and oh, interesting. give it a large bath yeah. and be forced to do it because this witch doesn't really like her that's in the story. Awesome. And it's like completely different than what I would normally be gravitated towards, mm-hmm. but I would find myself like really drawn to it and really like touched by it even as a kid. Yeah. And so I started like getting inspiration to write story ideas from that style okay. of storytelling actually. Um, and eventually I came to watch more of his films, Princess mm-hmm. Mononoke, Nausicaa, and all of that stuff. Um, and that's, I think, what helped me transition from writing or like just drawing weird creatures and monsters sure. and superpower characters to want to tell more human-centered mm-hmm. stories mm-hmm. and like real emotions. Because yeah. like those superpowered characters are cool and all, but they're not like real people. Right. They don't right. really do real people things. Right. Right. Um, like in a, at an emotional level. Yeah. Um, and so watching his stuff um, helped me transition from that into like writing, actually. Mm-hmm. Even though it was the media film, I found myself like wanting to write stories that could match that mm-hmm. and starting to like copy him. So I would mm-hmm. create a character that was essentially a character in one of his. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, and he's like by far my biggest influence okay. when it comes to storytelling yeah. and making. Yeah. Yeah. And so that continued like all the way through high school, I want to mm-hmm. say. And I started writing my own stories and I would 
like incorporate other influences I had, like Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. was a very huge one I love fantasy. Yeah. Um, and the way that that's done in kind of a believable way, but also still like very much there's magic, there's mm-hmm. sorcery, there's all yeah. of that. And there's still like a big evil to fight. Yeah. Big good to be brought into the picture. Um, and eventually I just started to want to kind of create my own thing. And I didn't really know how to do that. Um, and so I would just like come up with an idea, whether it's from a dream that I had mm-hmm. or something would just strike me. It's like, that sounds like a cool idea. And I want to run with that for a little bit. And so I have like on my computer, if, if you're a writer, then you'll have like tons of save files, like draft story one, right. yeah. draft story two, yeah. revision like 35 mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and just come up with like all these different characters and worlds um, and try to go off of something and like be inspired by music a lot to create scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of going all over the place. No, no, I love it. No, this works. Um, but like, like yeah. what, what, uh, well, I'm, so I have a couple questions. Mm-hmm. One, um, so when you were, when you were like really grow, you know, coming up in like high mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. was, uh, were you more, were you primarily drawn to, what I call like maybe sort of like, uh, yeah, like fantasy mm-hmm. and magical realism yes. of like Hayazaki and yeah. Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, were you were you at all? Um, I don't know, like influenced by like Martin Scorsese, where it's just like yes. you know people kind of sitting around talking in a, in a living room. Yes. So like all of that stuff. All right. Yes. So so what? So like like what were some of the um, just as far as films mm-hmm. that you saw, whether they were new or you rented them, mm-hmm. you know, or they were on TV, yeah. where you're like, oh, like you know, like like this is sort of like you know the 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 big films that kind of like blew your mind. Yeah. As a as a young person coming up. Yeah, I want to say since I gravitate towards action, um, my mom's an action junkie, so I get that okay. from her. Um, watching Save It Private Ryan, Saving Private Ryan, okay, by, um, Steven Spielberg. Yeah. That was the first film that taught me that war and violence is not fun at mm. all. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I thought going into this movie, yeah, this is going to be war. It's going to be really cool yeah. to see all these soldiers did, went through yeah, all this. Yeah, kicking ass. Yes. And then I see the first 20 minutes, mm-hmm. the yeah. storming of Normandy. Yeah. And everyone's dying. Yeah, yeah. Blood is everywhere. Yes. People like trying to hold in their guts. And it's just visceral. Mm-hmm. And it's 20 minutes of... A continuous camera movement, not a single shot yeah. broken, um, and I was just like, "This is not fun." Yeah, at no. All. Yeah, like, I. Sorry, go on. No, no. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's very different from like Die Hard, where stuff mm-hmm. blows up, or yeah, uh, yeah like GI Joe, where it's like, "Oh no, like this is for real." Like, yeah, people are j- like literally the door opens on the boat, and like mm-hmm. thirty dudes are dead like in three seconds. Yes. Yeah. Like and, getting yeah. shot is not like, oh, I got shot, but I'm still strong enough mm-hmm. to still punch you. It's like, yeah. no, I got shot and I'm bleeding and I don't yeah. want this to happen to me. And I've got a grenade that's coming at yeah. me and my friends are dying around yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't fathom yeah. the shock going through that. Yeah. And so when I write stories now, I'm mindful of that, especially with action, where I want the action to still be have some level of entertainment mm-hmm. when people watch it, but I don't want to glorify right. it in some way. Yeah. Because I realized, no, if, especially since I've been, I've only been like 
uh, I've had sprained ankles before mm-hmm. and I've had cuts and bruises and I'm not a fan of those. Right. Um, so I can't imagine like getting your arm chopped off yeah. or getting stabbed out yeah. with a sword. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah, yeah it's real. It's mm-hmm. very real. Okay, so so Saving Private Ryan yes. was a was a big one. What what else were some of the other? Let me think. I'm gonna try not to go through my movie catalog. Um, there, I want to. I'm gonna say Inglorious Bastards. Okay. by yeah. um, Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of being a dialogue driven film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and how he's able to create tension mm-hmm. in a scene yeah and then slowly have that tension pop yes through something unexpected absolutely yeah i think of the uh scene where they're all in the diner in the basement mm-hmm. um i think it's occupied france i think um, i've only seen it once and i saw it uh, like seven years ago gotcha or no what year are we yeah yeah like said yeah when naomi and i were like first dating yeah gotcha so yeah, I, I don't I don't really remember that much. I remember the scene when like there are uh the the main scenes that stick out in my mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, like when they when they is spo- spoiler alert here. If you haven't seen Inglorious Bastards yet, press stop. Yes. Um but yeah, like when when they when they kill all the Nazis in the movie theater, like when the woman like they lock right. them in and they yep. and they shoot them all down. Mm-hmm. But then there's the scene when uh, like Michael Fassbender is like undercover as a yep, German, and they're, and they're like, yeah, about. and and he and they're like playing the cards and yep, stuff, and yep. like, and he the way that he's he signals the number three, they're like, oh, like that's the British way, not the German way. Exactly. Those are like the only two scenes I really remember. Yeah, and it's that last scene that you mentioned is what I'm talking gotcha, about. Where gotcha, where it wasn't revealed through the, I don't know, the Americans did something or the British did something. That would obviously give them away. Yeah. In like the typical spy fashion, they mm-hmm. just like left a card or an ID somewhere. Right, or like right. A fingerprint or something like yeah. that. It was a cultural thing mm-hmm. that if you're German, everyone knows this. Yeah. Um, and if you're not German, then everyone who is German will know that you are not German. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I just thought that that blew my mind because mm-hmm. I'm like, that it's just that makes sense yeah and it wasn't anything complicated absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah. so like were you were you at all into like comic books comic books? growing up or or not so much not particularly okay like, the only comic books i've really read are v for vendetta and okay. watchmen gotcha um all of my comic book knowledge came from a video game called marvel ultimate alliance hmm. which came okay. out in like 2005 which is all the Marvel killer are uh, all the Marvel characters fighting Doctor Doom. Okay. Um, in this interstellar expanding story where you gotcha. can play as any character you want to see. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then like and then when with Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. did you uh first experience Lord of the Rings through the movies or through the books? Through the movies. Okay. I have gone back and read The Hobbit, which okay. I like a lot. Um and I made it to the end of the second book, Lord of the Rings, okay. but I need to go back and reread them. Gotcha. I, I read them at a time where they were just too dense mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And so I was falling yeah. asleep. I was reading them, but like, this is Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I'm yeah. loving this, but like, why am I not loving it? Um, but uh, yeah, I would say that Lord of the Rings by far was okay. one of the hugest mm-hmm. movie influences for me. Yeah. Just yeah. doing high fantasy well mm-hmm. and, being able to manage this entire world that J.R.R. Tolkien created. It's not a one-to-one for sure. Right. And there are definitely like things that purists will say, like, 
the books are still infinitely right. better, and that's right. fair. Yeah. Um, but the movies were able to capture something about fantasy um, and about this particular way mm. of telling a story that I don't think has been done yeah. since. I know okay. that Amazon's planning to remake Lord of the Rings, and I'm terrified of Oh, that. really? They're I had no trying idea. to do something like that. Like a limited edition series or something? I think so. Okay. Yeah, right. which I'm yeah. like, uh, I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah. 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 What, and what what's interesting about what you're saying is, yeah, so mm-hmm. since I'm 40, um, mm-hmm. like, especially, like, by the time I was in, like, when I was in high school, because the movies came out, I think the first one came out maybe when I was a senior in college or like a little bit after I graduated. Mm-hmm. So when I was coming up, like, you know, people only experienced them through the books because the movies right. hadn't been made yet. So, yeah. yeah, I just I find it interesting mm-hmm. when someone's like, oh, yeah, no, like I saw you know, like I saw the movies yeah. first. Um, I've actually I've never seen any of the movies all the way through. I've seen maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of the two towers okay. so like naomi is really into lord of the rings she's into fantasy i'm into sci-fi gotcha. so i like spaceships i like lasers i like technology i like mm-hmm. electronics yeah swords dudes with long hair i'm not into that <laughs> sure. like it's not really my thing the only um kind of exception is you know mm-hmm. i feel like star wars has a lot of fantasy yeah elements yeah but i'm still like well yeah but like jedis have lightsabers and they're spaceships mm-hmm. so even though there's there's it's mystical and there's the force i'm like yeah but they're spaceships right so yeah, yeah. like i'm a star trek person i'm a star yep. wars person mm-hmm. um and i've gotten into the marvel cinematic universe i yeah. didn't really read comic books as a kid so mm-hmm. i knew all of the characters but right. like i didn't I couldn't tell you anything about Captain America or Thor. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's a guy named Thor. He has a hammer. That's all I knew. Yeah, yeah, so I've seen seen all of the Hobbit movies because Naomi and I, Mm -hmm. yeah, so those have come out since we've been together. So we would always go see them together. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I would watch Game of Thrones with her. It took me like two years to be able to figure out all of the, uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, that yeah. guy, he's so and so's uncle, and she killed that it's a dude. Lot to keep track of. Um, and what's funny is with Game of Thrones, so I literally had not heard of it when Naomi and I started dating because I didn't wow. have HBO. Yeah, okay. I had, okay. I had no idea that it was a thing. Yeah, and so we were, you know, like, so we were dating, and then she's like, oh, like, I, I want to watch Game of Thrones. I'm like, uh, what is that? She mm-hmm. goes, oh yeah, it's it's the show. It comes on HBO. So I was watching it, and yeah. I was sort of like. This show is dumb. Like I was I was never really oh, wow. into it. I'm okay. like this show is dumb and I'm like oh like this is this like sort of dumb show that only she's into. And then of course like literally everyone on the planet yes. is into it. I think I might be one of like five people that doesn't like Game of Thrones. I yeah, I but, couldn't I couldn't get into it. And I was shocked cuz I think at one yeah. point Naomi and I were hanging out and she was talking uh-huh. to a friend about like what had happened on the the like the last week's episode. I'm like mm-hmm. other people are into the show too. Yeah. And then yeah. you know I think I like looked at a YouTube video and it's just like people in Beijing talking about Game of Thrones, people in Uganda. Uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, I yeah. so this is a massive pop culture you phenomenon. Like, I'm one, yeah. one of the few. I am one of the few. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, yeah, she did uh like a whole like Facebook post on like the series finale. Like mm-hmm. she's super yeah, super into it. Um yeah. but yeah, I say all of that to say that, yeah, like uh my best friend in high school was into Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And my my oldest brother was into him too, but right. You know, the Hobbit you, movies were cool, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But you would stick 
to let's say soft science fiction or hard science fiction or just everything. everything. Uh, well, so what do you mean by that specifically? So like soft science fiction, I would say like Star Wars fits more into that category okay. where it's like sort of science fictiony. Like there's definitely sure. sci-fi elements, but they're not as plausible or believable. Sure, sure. To happen, hard science fiction is something like. Mm, what is a good example of this? Um, I want to say maybe Isaac Asimov, Isaac Asimov's iRobot. Gotcha, it's gotcha. Like, robots have three laws. These are the three laws, mm-hmm, and they mm-hmm. obey these principles, and everything is as scientifically accurate as gotcha. possible. Yeah. So that that's a good question. Um, honestly, what it is is that um, with a lot of things in my life, there are certain things that I will... So, like, usually what happens is that, like, I'll stumble upon something, mm-hmm. and then I can really be into that thing, but not into other things that are connected to it. Mm-hmm. So, Star Trek, for example, one... I mean, you know, Star Trek is just such a massive part of pop culture. Mm-hmm. Like, the original mm-hmm. series was always on mm-hmm. TV when I was a kid, yeah. and I was I was kind of into it. Like, you know, I wasn't really that into it. But when The Next Generation came out, my oldest brother, who's a pretty big sci-fi person, I mean, like, he was the first person I knew who watched Doctor Who. Okay. Um, you know, like, he's all of the alien movies he's into. Um, mm-hmm. He'll literally mm-hmm. see any Terminator movie that comes yeah. out. Like, even yeah. the super crappy ones that come out now, he's like, yeah, you know, whatever. So he he watched Next Generation. So then I started watching Next Generation because of him. I got really into it. When mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine came out, I got really into that. Okay. When Voyager came out, I was a senior in high school and I was trying to get dates with girls. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, let me not talk about the sci-fi stuff. So I haven't really watched that much Voyager. Mm-hmm. When Enterprise came out, I just didn't watch a lot of TV. And everyone's like, Enterprise is a horrible show, so don't watch it. Mm-hmm. So like, I haven't watched Star Trek Discovery Um like Blade Runner, I never watched because like it just didn't seem that interesting to sure. me. Yeah. Um. And like, yeah, the Star Wars movies, like I don't know, I you know, as a kid in the eighties, everyone watched Star Wars. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but like Aliens, I was like, oh no, like this seems <laughs> like weird and bleak, so I'm not into it. Yeah. But for yeah. instance, um, like all of Christopher Nolan's mm-hmm. stuff, I love. Yeah. So, yeah. so I saw all the Dark Knight Batmans mm-hmm. mainly. Just because um, so, someone was like, "Oh, like they're gonna like they're gonna be really good," so I was like, "All right, yeah. I'll go see them." And so like I loved all of those, and what I loved about them, and it's the same reason that I love like all of Christopher Nolan's sci-fi fantasy stuff. Yeah. So the Dark Knight series, Inception, yep. Interstellar, love I love them all because I feel like they really fit into that hard sci-fi of like it's it's fairly plausible. Like even with mm-hmm. the Dark Knight Batman, mm-hmm. what I love about it is that. It's not really a comic book movie. It's more a character study that just happens to be about Bruce Wayne. Yes. And so the way that they've done it, it's like, oh, yeah, well, if a person had that much money, they could do that kind of stuff. I mean, and even Heath Ledger's Joker, it's like, yeah, no, I could see a person actually behaving in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And that like that's how I feel about Inception. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. like this. This is a movie about a person who has a very bizarre job who's trying to get back to his children right and and with interstellar again like it didn't to me it didn't feel like a science fiction movie it it felt like oh well like you know it is people who have a certain amount of technology Mm -hmm. who are trying to preserve humanity yes so i'm really into that um Mm -hmm. yeah so all that to say that like 
yeah, the harder soft science fiction. I think yeah. it depends on the story mm-hmm. because I like if someone was like, oh, like, you know, want to go see like, you know, they're doing a re-release of Blade Runner with me. Do you want to go? Mm-hmm. I'd go like if a friend was going. Right. But I'm I'm not going to go out of my way to sure. see Blade Runner. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But if it's something that fits more into that, like more believable category, like a Christopher Nolan type. Films, yeah. Then you'd. Yeah, like that, like that. The, those are the kinds of 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 movies that I really dig because I I like if it is more realistic, then it's it's kind of more relatable mm-hmm. to me. So like even Agreed. in the um in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Captain America movies are probably my favorites, and I, like Same. the Winter Soldier, I think mm-hmm. is my favorite one because I just I really like. The whole kind of, you know, um, military industrial complex being wary of like, you know, the perpetual warfare state, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, analogy that they're doing. But also, yeah, like like the moral ambiguity of it and the fact that like he doesn't know what to believe in anymore. It's like, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been infiltrated by Hydra and it's rooted actually in america like you know using nazi scientists it's like that's a real thing and it's like you see captain america's apartment so it's like oh yeah yeah, like captain america like he's learning how to use an iphone and he's like trying to get a date yes so like to me like it's like oh that's way more interesting and like oh you see captain america riding a motorcycle yeah as opposed to like the thor movies where it's like ragnarok and and asgard and it's mystical i'm like yeah i can't yeah i can't relate to that and even with um Black Panther, mm-hmm. I related to Killmonger more, not even because of like political beliefs, sure. but like Wakanda is like so special and like so mystical. I'm like, yeah, but yeah. Killmonger grew up in Oakland, so he talks like people that I know. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, he's wearing a t shirt and shorts, whereas mm-hmm. T'Challa is in a robe every day. Yes. And is like on a like in a space taxi. Yeah. So I like the more relatable stuff. Yeah, and they've kind of isolated themselves in yeah. doing that within the context of the film. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Um uh okay. Um so all right, yeah. So yeah. so yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was that was an interesting little uh, segue little tangent, tangent we went yeah. on. Yeah. If I could add two more Yeah, yeah, to that totally. Tangent, just really quickly. No, do it. There's a film out now called Ad Astra. Yeah, with, uh, Brad with Brad Pitt. Pitt. Yeah, you probably be interested. In I definitely want to see. Like yeah. that looks awesome, and Same. especially yeah. And what what I um what I like about where we're going with certain science fiction is that because of the advances in mm-hmm. technology that like we're actually seeing in our lifetime, yeah. movies like that. Yeah, so like I feel like that interstellar even mm-hmm. to a certain degree looper with joseph gordon levitt yeah a little bit. um it's yeah. it's like yeah it's like like it's we're we're, we're the the gap between science fiction mm-hmm. and science fact is getting thinner and thinner yeah. because we're the, we're the developing the technology and then i feel like people are more intentionally making yeah. movies of like oh well if you're actually going to do like deep interstellar space travel with yeah. like the technology that we kind of have now, like this is what exactly. it will actually take to make it happen. Yes. As opposed to something like 2001, which mm-hmm. is a great movie, but like, yeah, I mean, we were all alive in 2001 and we right. weren't, you know, and that's not how it is. Yeah. We, we weren't eating synthetic, you know, food on the moon with a talking computer. Yes. Like, and there was not an obelisk that's just standing there. Exactly. Soul. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I definitely want to see Ad Astra. I was supposed to see it like a week ago, but that, I, that makes two of could, us. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, um, and then relating to the guys who made um, 
the Captain America films. Oh, yeah, yeah. As well as uh, the last two Infinity War mm-hmm. films. Uh, yeah, was it the Russo brothers? The Russo brothers, yeah. yeah. They're moving on to a completely different project, and it's, I can't remember, it's called The Avengers of Something. Oh, But it's going to be an Arabic-only film. That's cool. Um, And it's about soldiers who did some operation to rescue people. I can't mm-hmm. I can't remember the Avengers of Mosul. I think that's what it's called. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you yeah. are aware of that conflict at all, that's the next film project. That's cool. And I am excited. That's very cool. That. That's very Yeah, I want I want to check out um so yeah, like uh yeah, just to see what else they have because they they also directed and I don't know if it even did that well cuz I feel like it kind of came and went, but they directed and maybe wrote that movie Twenty One Bridges with Chad Mc, Chadwick Boseman who played T'Challa. So I think it was supposed to come hmm. out, um, hmm. like a couple this. of months ago. I saw okay. two trailers for it, but yeah. So mm-hmm. what it was is that Chadwick Boseman played a New York City detective, uh-huh. and the backstory is that his father was a police officer, maybe a detective. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Now. And so the reason why I wanted to see that is that, um. I always get a little annoyed when there are movies that have that are black themed and have like a black lead. And it's always like mm-hmm. it's a black movie because like with this, it is. Well, it's a detective movie about a person who happens to be black, but mm-hmm. they're also not shying away from the fact that he's black. It's like that's a part of it. But the whole movie doesn't <clears throat> center around. Well, you know, see, as a black person, because mm-hmm. and also I am um, someone who. I get super annoyed when all of the, you know, air quotes, black movies are either civil rights movies. Yep. It's like some type of civil rightsy thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I just want to see like a kick-ass action movie that just happens to be full of black people. Exactly. Which is one of the reasons that I liked Black Panther. Yeah. But even with Black Panther, you know, and and my whole thing is, is that, you know, Black Panther is one film and one film can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. I would like to see more black science fiction some of it that direct, you know, is directly centered around being black. Mm. Some of it that's not. And I'm also someone who feels like, you know, Black Panther was a very overtly Afrofuturist movie, yes. which is awesome. Yes. yes, I'm not a big Afrofuturist. Like I okay. like it, mm-hmm. but it's 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 not my my wheelhouse. And I'm also someone who thinks that for me, mm-hmm. Afrofuturism is not necessarily synonymous with black sci-fi it's yeah. an element of black sci-fi sure. but there is other black sci-fi that if mm-hmm. is isn't afrofuturism yeah. and i'd like to see a lot of that too mm-hmm. and so i feel Definitely. like with this movie you know 21 bridges like it it just seems like a you know a kick-ass cool action movie yeah that isn't necessarily going into like the peril of the black man as a right. as a police officer in modern yeah. america which like it's it's the typical like film you would see a black lead being yeah, of yeah. that nature. Yeah. And the Russo brothers, I'm, I'm like, well, I'm like, you know, uh, Civil War and mm-hmm. Winter Soldier and mm-hmm. Infinity War and Endgame were yeah. freaking kick-ass. Yes. So, like, yeah. y- y'all have a great track record yes, with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. So, this Avengers of, of Mosul. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to check that out. Yes, for sure. Very cool. Yeah. Um. All right. So, yeah. So, so getting, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a little deeper into your you know your your novel so all right so so how did you actually like what was the shift where it's like okay Mm -hmm. now i'm i'm getting i'm moving into novels was it was a a succession of things or did like a lightning 
bulb go off in your brain one day. Yeah, I... As I think back to this, I know a lot of this happened when I was in Illinois, because that's when I started writing a novel idea that I thought would be my first novel before okay. I shifted over to this one that I'm writing now. Okay. Um, and I think I want to say it started off with me, I don't know, I would just write down ideas. Sure. And what uh, one thing I do a lot is listen to different types of music. A lot mm-hmm. of it needs to be like fast paced because I like sure. action scenes to kind of drive my thought process. Right. Um, so like and uh, so like when you're when you're looking to stimulate ideas, like what what uh, type of music are you listening to? Like what genres or bands? It could literally be anything. It could be like like Slipknot or Motorhead be, or it could be that I don't Celine think Dion maybe Celine Dion sir yeah my, j- just so you know my father in law loves Celine Dion okay. like like when Naomi and I got married the for the father daughter dance like he he danced to a like they. Dance to a Celine Dion song, oh, and like if so if you like sweet. get to know him more, like mm-hmm. you'll find that very surprising because he has like, or at least it had very strong opinions of white people, and mm-hmm. you know not in the positive, and he's like a former Marxist and everything, okay. and he loves Celine Dion, so yeah, that's it's awesome. interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I would say my genre range is from, uh, let me just say Queen all the way to Eminem. Let's, nice. Let's say that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We're we're very much in the same boat. Yeah. There. Uh, quick question. What are What are some favorite Queen songs? Because I I no. love Queen. I've got their whole. Yes. My girlfriend in college got me the like the box set of their stuff. It's nice. called the Crown Jewels. Like that was a that was a, a my her the graduation present she got me. So mm. I love Queen. That's awesome. Yeah. I so I've not listened to outside of their first album. Yeah. I've not listened to all of their albums. Yeah. But Bohemian Rhapsody mm-hmm. by far my yeah. favorite. Um. Don't stop me now. Ah, uh, yeah, that's uh, probably in my top three mm-hmm. of their songs. It's an yeah. amazing song. It is absolutely yeah. amazing. They are so talented. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh. Let's see. What is what is another one? Why am I blanking on Queen? This is, this yeah, it's all good. Um. We are the champions. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, we will rock you. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of their like yeah. anthemic or yeah. really like. Yeah. Yeah, the big anthems. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. A lot of their big hits. Okay. For sure. Okay. All right. So, so, uh, g- give me like five or six different bands that you like. You'll listen to 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 get ideas. So, so Queen mm-hmm. is one of them. Eminem's uh, is is another one. Not so much anymore. Okay. Like there was a time when I listened to Eminem. Okay. Actually, it's probably gonna be sacrilege in the hip hop community, but he was Man, whatever the first like rap artists I listen to their full length albums and not just singles. I mean, yeah. he is an amazing rapper. Like, I mean, people can feel whatever they whatever way they want about like the politics of it and like is it bad that like the first rapper you listened to all the way through was a white guy like? Yeah. I mean, but he's good though. Yes. And especially I mean, and you know, people may take a lot of issue with this because I don't really listen to a lot of rap now. I did when I was a little kid. It's not mm-hmm. really what I listened to. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, definitely around, like, for me, late 90s, early 2000s, for a lot of the commercial rap that was coming out, I think he was, like, the best person that at least was, you know, yeah. that was getting MTV play. Yeah. Because, I mean, 
you know, again, uh, you know, if Naomi listens to this, she, you know, she can correct it since mm-hmm. she actually listens like rap is the primary music that she listens to. Gotcha. But I, like the late 90s, from what I remember, was a lot of like Ja Rule and Nelly mm-hmm. and a lot of like Puffy's very like, which is it's all like party music, mm-hmm. which is cool. I mean, like I have Nelly's first album, like it's a fun album, but I'm like, mm. right. If you if you, if you give me Puffy, Ja Rule. Nelly and Eminem. Oh. Eminem's the best. <laughs> He's the best. So that's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. All right. But so, but so you you have listened to you know to Eminem you yes. know in the past. You, you know, Queen. Uh, yeah. Who 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 else? Who gets the creative uh, juices flowing for you? Yeah. Lincoln Park definitely has. All right. Respect. Yes. Respect. Um. Rest in peace, Chester Bennington. Okay. Yeah. I um, I I'm assuming that's a person from Lincoln Park. I don't know that much about. He them. was yeah. He was the lead singer and okay. he passed away uh, a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. It's gotcha. a pretty big thing and a lot of people like loved Chester. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. Um then Michael Jackson definitely has a spot. Okay. For sure. Um and then I wanna say nowadays it really could be anything. Um like I will listen to a movie soundtrack from Pokemon and okay. get inspiration hey. yeah. somehow. Yeah. Um but I will also listen to Christian hip hop artists okay. and get inspiration from them as well. And really what I found is it's less of the content of the song that'll give me inspiration mm-hmm. all the time. It's more of the mood that it projects um, or the beat that it's going yeah. at or the pace, um, whether it'll set to a more somber scene or an action filled scene or something in between. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, um, I would say like as my fifth, uh, I'll throw Lecrae more in. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, he's, is that a person or a band? That is a person. Okay. Um, he's he goes by Lecrae, and he's probably the biggest Christian hip hop artist. Okay. Out there, uh, there's another guy named NF who's definitely like up there as well in terms of like popularity, mm-hmm. but, like in terms of like you think Christian hip hop, Lecrae is probably the first person. Okay. Who come to mind. All right. So he's yeah. the he he's like he's the Tony Hawk of. Uh, of Christian hip hop. He's, he's like the David Beckham. It's like, like he's the, he's the Miles Davis of Christian hip hop. Like he's the yeah. one that like, the, yes. he's the standard bearer. Yes. Most people like, if they hear it of Christian hip hop, it would be like, and they don't really listen to it. They might mm-hmm. know who Lecrae gotcha. is. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and they'll probably know who NF is just because of how popular he's gotten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a singer named Amy Grant? Amy Grant. I would be very surprised if you did. I I feel like I've heard that name, not necessarily attached to a singer. Gotcha, gotcha. So, um, yeah, so Amy Grant was a big, I mean, I, I don't know how she would describe her music. So she, she was, she was a Christian who made like pop music. So, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, I think they used to call it like Christian pop back yeah. then. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that's like an accurate label or not. Cause I don't really know the content of her mm-hmm. music like if it was overtly christian or not right, right. uh but she was and so like i went to i went to a christian elementary and middle school like so most of my education was at a private christian school um but amy grant was like the first kind of christian singer who permeated like you know the secular music charts like she had a big song that like was on yeah. mtv yeah she was kind of like mm-hmm. Do you know who Shania Twain is? Can't say I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, she's a. She was. 
Shania Twain was like a big country singer, but like okay. would get played on MTV. And so it was like, oh, okay. like you're country, but you've permeated the air quotes mainstream. Mm-hmm. So I'm tr- like, I'm trying to think of, yeah, but like Amy Grant was like the first Christian pop star to like gotcha. have a single on VH1 and like everyone oh, okay. loved her song. So okay. yeah, but it's also like one of those things, like unless you were a kid in the eighties, no one would know. But right. right. Look, look up Amy Grant. What, okay. Listen to her big, uh, you know, check out her videos on YouTube. I shall. Cause she had, I shall. she had good music. It was, mm-hmm. you know, it was good stuff. So, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that'll be a good conversation starter for you and your friends. Be yes. Like, Hey, want to listen to this Amy Grant song? Mm-hmm. And then they'll be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And it's in the 80s, so it's bound to be very good. Yeah. And yeah. authentic. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Okay. So, um, so like, so kind of walk me through how, like, how you started make like, you know, like writing novels. I mean, so mm-hmm. like you have these ideas, but it, was it a yeah. thing of you realize, oh, well, like these ideas are going to play out better with a novel or were you just like reading a bunch of novels and then you thought like, Oh, like th- this medium mm-hmm. fits that this is a better medium to convey what I'm trying to get across. Like how did that yeah. happen? So I think actually, actually, as I'm thinking about this, um, I think it was because I didn't really go out of my way to figure out how could I make these stories cinematically mm-hmm. I thought of them in cinematic sure. terms, but yeah. I would express them as um, a novel or a right. short story. Gotcha. And I think either that's because I just didn't take the time to look into or research sure. that, um, or maybe I just gravitated towards writing because I do like, even if I'm not writing a story itself, if I'm like doing an essay or I have to copy down something from like a document, I enjoy writing mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. and just seeing how yeah. they're written and how they're spelled. Yeah. Like that, I don't know, is something I just enjoy personally. And so I think maybe as I was like creating these stories, like just writing them out and seeing different words that I could string together um, and express those in somehow a cinematic way in written form Mm -hmm. is how I just started to create these stories. Because I didn't have a camera, I didn't ask for one, I didn't have any idea of how you go about doing animation or filming something. Um, and so I thought, well, I've got a piece of paper and I have a pencil so I can just start writing. Yeah. And eventually that evolved into yeah. typing on a computer. Yeah. Um, and I think that's how it slowly morphed over time into, uh, just writing stories here and here, little story ideas with a character and turning them into like novel and long form. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I mean, are you a, are you a fan of reading novels? Reading novels? Yeah. Yes. I have fallen off of reading um definitely when i was at drexel mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah understandable yeah i i want to get back into reading because for a time uh when i moved to illinois originally i had fallen off of reading and i wasn't interested and then there was a book series i read called the ranger's apprentice which okay. reintroduced me to reading and i really loved reading novels again and then when i came to drexel and found i didn't have time for reading because i was struggling with classes and all right. of that. I just slowly fell off and I would read here and there, but mm-hmm. not as much as I used to. Um, like, do you, do you have a, like a top five list of favorite novels? Not even novels that you think are like the best ones, but just like, mm-hmm. Oh, like I just love these. 
And um, yeah, so like, what are some of the novels that you're really into? Mm-hmm. And then who are some of the authors that you're really into? Yeah, so because my reading is rather limited to fantasy. Yeah, no um, worries. There's really only one that stands out in my mind at the moment, and that's The Name of the Wind. Okay. And the author is Patrick Rothfuss. Okay. Um, and the novel's about this boy who is a part of this uh, small group of people uh, that's known for putting on very elaborate plays and performances, mm-hmm. and that's their livelihood. Um, and, like, ethnically, that's what they do. It's their culture. Okay. And they're uh, held in suspicion by the world. Mm. And so they always live in this tension of, we put on these great performances for people that they love, but we also have trouble with, like, the constable and government saying, mm. like, oh, mm-hmm. are you coming mm-hmm. here to make trouble and do all kinds of things? Right. Um, and one day, um, his entire family ends up getting killed and this happens in the beginning Mm -hmm. not to spoil anything um by this mysterious group called the chandrian um and in the context of the world the chandrian are held as like children's fables and stories and folklore you know like the boogeyman type Mm -hmm. stuff they Mm -hmm. don't exist they're not real um but he saw them and witnessed them kill his family um and they spared him and now the novel is him trying to figure out who the Chandrian are, why they did what they did. Interesting. And just him going on this story. And it's told um, in, so the story is set um, in the present time. He's older um, and has experienced a lot of things. And he's telling this historian these details Mm -hmm. about his life. And so it shifts from that third person perspective to the first person where he's talking about what he went through after his family was killed and like, all the adventures mm-hmm. he had yeah. as such. So what is it that appeals to you about this book? I would say some of the fa- the fantasy elements are definitely not like Lord of the Rings at all. Like it's more uh, chemistry based for okay. sure. So it kind of grounds itself a little bit more. Okay. But I would say how Patrick writes his novel mm-hmm. um, is incredible. Like his prose is phenomenal. It's, it's not ever boring to read, even if mm-hmm. he's just talking about or describing something mm-hmm. or just talking about a mundane thing this character is doing. Yeah. It's written very beautifully, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just kind of flows, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've read three chapters, yeah, and it's yeah. been an hour. Yeah. Um, and so I like that a lot, the descriptive yeah. aspect. Okay. And the the author, are like, are they white, black, Asian, Bangladeshi, yeah. like Ugandan? Uh, he is white um, and has like curly hair and like a very long beard, kind of like... Uh, George R. R. Martin. Kind okay, of, gotcha. With hair on his head. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So, like, what I find interesting, j- just about the the, you know, this story that you're describing, like, so to me, mm-hmm. it it actually like reminds me of like 1940s or like 1950s America, particularly mm-hmm. thinking about black people, where you have black entertainers who like mm-hmm. white people love, and it's like yeah. entertain me, mm-hmm. don't enter into the restaurant that I'm eating at or I'm going to lose my mind. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I always find it interesting just like seeing stories that, you know, are not created by black artists that mm-hmm. aren't even necessarily intended to be race allegories, but right. like the way that I see them, it's like, oh, well that actually feels like a race allegory, yeah. particularly when it's something that is like super, super, super um, uh, like ups absurd yeah i I guess because even like did you ever um see a quiet place yes so well when i was watching it 
one of the things that I was thinking, like, and I, you know, I just, you know, I found it to be like a super compelling movie. And yeah. like, I love John Krasinski. I mm. love Emily Blunt. Like, I'm mm. like mildly in love with her. Like, I think she's gorgeous. <laughs> I think she's awesome. Um, so like, I'll literally see anything that she's in. Mm-hmm. But also watching it, like, it just like the idea of these aliens who if you Mm -hmm. just like drop a penny on the floor like they'll eat you i'm like oh that's so insane it kind of just like reminds me of like what it's like to be a black person where like Mm -hmm. like i've had encounters where you know like i'll just like ask someone Mm -hmm. like what time it is and they'll be like that felt so aggressive it's like i well i literally asked you what time it was yeah i i don't know what to say Mm -hmm. to you so yeah like there's just certain stuff where i'm like oh yeah like as a black person right I feel like I can relate to that. So yeah. Yeah. So just like that story about, yeah, like these entertainers who are like Mm -hmm. simultaneously like revered and reviled. Yes. Is, is yeah. Yes. And there are people within the story who will like take advantage of that fact and Mm. say they are this cultural group. Right. And then they take advantage of people. So Mm -hmm. it just perpetuates this Mm -hmm. myth that they're like a bunch of vagabonds. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, do you, uh, do you read any, or have you read any of Neil Gaiman's stuff? I have. I read, um, American Gods okay. is the most recent. And then I also read, what is the, Neverwhere. Okay. That was the first one I read gotcha. by him. The, and really the main reason I ask is, cause I don't even really know if his stuff falls into, I feel like it has some sci-fi elements maybe. Uh, I feel like there's. I feel like he has a book called like Star Child or Star Baby yes, or Star Wonder or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, just, yeah. I feel like he's someone who like a lot of people have heard of him. Right. They, you know, and he was on an episode of The Simpsons. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So there was. Huh. A, <laughs> I, I didn't. Ex- I, actually, I'm not really surprised. Yeah, because yeah. at a certain point, like everyone is on is on this. If you're in the, the pop culture zeitgeist, you end up on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the episode, it's supposed to be. A parody of the Italian Job. Oh, uh, and the 2003 version or 1979? The 2003 okay. version. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, the Marky Marky Mark and uh, right. Mos Def and everyone. Yeah, yeah. And so what Chinese it Star. is is that I'm trying to remember because I've 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 seen it a few times, but I think it was around when True Blood and like everyone was into vampires uh, and Twilight uh, was out. So Lisa wanted to make a book and then the publishers uh-huh. wanted to make it, you know, like a cute tween vampire book. Uh-huh. And so then they, um, so, so they just, Lisa teamed up with Mo mm-hmm. and a bunch of people. There was like five of them. Like it might've been like Mo and comic book guy and someone else, but Neil, Neil Gaiman was also like a part of their crew. And so That's what they great. did was they, they wrote the teeny bopper vampire book, but then they secretly, saved on a hard drive mm-hmm. for like the actual book that Lisa wanted to do. And then they oh. snuck into the publishing house, nice. like the, the night that it was being published and they, mm-hmm. they, ins- they inserted their disc into it. So then like the actual real book got published, but then like Mo double crossed them all. So like the last scene you see is like, I think it's, it's either Mo or Neil Gaiman or uh-huh. Mo and Neil Gaiman, like okay. on a beach together, like sipping Mai Tais. They're like, Oh, oh we fooled them all. Yeah. So, I've never seen either of the Italian jobs, so I didn't get okay. all of the references. Sure, but sure. yeah, but there is a Simpsons episode that Neil Gaiman is on. That's so, great. You know, yeah. So that's your homework. You got to watch that episode of The Simpsons yes. and listen to Amy, Amy Grant. Grant. Yes, and your life will be completely changed. I should start making a list. Please do. Grow. Please do. Yeah. It's it, it. Your whole world will open up anew to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. 
Now, the book that you're writing, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that this is fantasy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Are you able to tell us some of what it's about? Yes. The question is whether I can tell it as concisely as I would eh. prefer. Well, you know, I mean, the, the, even if you're not able to now, the practice of mm-hmm. having to tell people about it will, like, force you to, you know, to whittle it down to its most uh, crucial elements. Yes, very much so. And funny that you say elements. It is. Ah, uh, do elements play a part in it? They do. Is it like the alchemist meets Spirited Away meets, uh, I'm trying to think of like a funny book that came out recently. I don't know, meets Weird Al Yankovic or something? Weird Al Yankovic, oh, that, that would be fascinating. Yeah. But more of, if you've heard of Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, which yeah. was... So I kind of know the Avatar stuff. So there was like the last Airbender movie, which I heard it, was horrible. It doesn't exist. You can erase it from your memory. Okay. You have any memory of it. I didn't see it. And and then there's like the last Airbender cartoon or there yes. was at some point. Yes. yes. That cartoon. Okay. Yes. Yes. That is the one I'm referring to. That's what you're referring to. Yeah. Um, now, was the last Airbender movie, regardless of what the content of it may have been. Was it supposed to be connected to the cartoon? It was supposed to be an adaptation okay. of the first season of the gotcha. cartoon and adapting 20, 20 minute episodes into an hour and a half film. Yes. Yeah, not going to work. Um, and wasn't it directed by Shyamalan? Yes. It also, yeah. I, I, I am an M night Shyamalan defender and I recognize all the films of his that are terrible. Even Lady in the Water? Are you going to defend Lady in the Water? Which I, I don't know how I feel because I saw it yeah, once. I, I didn't did like it. it. My best mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. loved it. So I was like, well, maybe there was really something there. Yeah. But I, honestly, I've only seen, because I didn't even see signs. I saw, you know, like everyone who lived in Philadelphia or on planet Earth, I saw The Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. which I loved. Yes. I liked Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I thought it could have been like a little better. Yeah. Sure. Um, the little bit of the village I liked that mm-hmm. I saw I liked. I didn't see signs. Uh, Lady in the Water. I'm like, ah, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I kind of just I I don't have a strong opinion about him, but I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, did, I feel like it's not going to be good. So I I didn't see Split or mm-hmm. um the the one where glass. it was like all yeah Glass yeah, sure. I I kind of wanted to see. Crumpus or whatever, like the Christmas. He, he oh, made like a kids yeah. kind of movie that looked kind of cool. It was yeah, it was a found footage style film called The Visit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Crumpus I think is a horror film directed by someone else. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. Lady yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I was like Lady in the Water. I only watched it once when I was younger, but I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I did like it, but uh, what is it called? Uh, what is the movie called? The one he did with Will Smith. Oh, After Earth. After Earth. I last, heard that was horrible. It's horrible. The Last Airbender is absolutely horrible. Okay. Um, the Happening is stupid. It's funny, stupid, right. but stupid. That's the one where everyone, like, you, they jump off buildings. It's like Marky yeah. Mark. Yes. Okay. Marky Mark. So with that track record, you're still going to defend Shyamalan? Yes, only because... Did, like, do you owe him money? Like, does he know a secret <laughs> about you? Like, why? I, 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 not that I'm aware I mean, I'm and I'm not talking bad about yeah, him. Yeah. I was an extra... Mm-hmm. In Unbreakable, my the the three yeah the the three the two seconds you would have seen of me got edited out. So the oh, the scene wow. 
when when Mr. Glass like reveals himself. Like I I was in that group scene. That's awesome. Yeah. So I I did two days of filming and yeah, like and the way that they edited the film, like it was like mm-hmm. kind of right after they passed me. Like okay. it was it was a longer establishing shot. Gotcha. So you would have seen me like talking, you know, yeah. pretending to talk. Yeah. So I was also an extra in um a Jersey girl with Ben Affleck and J Lo. Oh neat. yeah, my the you the the scene that I was in got cut as well. I mean, you would have seen me in a crowd of like two hundred people, like okay. not in my head. Yeah. Uh yeah. So those are the those are the two movies. Still, uh, I was in, but no, I like I like Shyamalan. I saw yeah. him at a Shake Shack out in King of Prussia what? once. <laughs> yeah, like me and my friends were out at the King of Prussia Mall, and then we like went to the Shake Shack like you know, next door and we were like in line and that's great. Yeah. And we like turned around and M night Shyamalan was like behind us with his kid. And what was funny is that one of my friends, his dad works as a, like, you know, he's like works as an electrical contractor. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, he does like electrical installations on home. So he he had been like working on like M night Shyamalan's like house for like two years or something. So So my, so my buddy's like, Oh yeah. Like my dad, like my dad was a part of the blah 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 company that was working on your house, and he's like, "Oh yeah, like I talked to your dad. He's a cool dude." So yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So M Night Shyamalan was like a nice guy. I just you yeah. know his films uh, could be a little better. Yeah, yeah. He actually spoke at um, Drexel University's my graduation ceremony okay. um, for all of the colleges. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty cool. But um, I would say it's because of watching his films, Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. Signs, Unbreakable. Yeah. Where I do like his more grounded style, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. and it's smaller stories yeah. that deal with characters more than like this big thing yeah. that's going to be revealed. I know his a lot of people think his one trick is like to have a twist right. in, his, in his stories all the time, and yes, that is something he uses. Um, but I think in terms of just having a different voice in mm-hmm. film, it is different. Yeah, like I never go into an M Night Shyamalan film. Um, expecting certain tropes from right. other films or other genres that right. he's doing. It, it might be an M. Night Shyamalan trope where his characters are a little oddly acted or a little mm-hmm. wooden, but at least he presents some interesting ideas and he has oh, yeah. some cool things yeah. uh, going. So, yeah, I'll, I'll support films that he makes. Sure. Um, I will also recognize the terrible films that sure, he's made sure. because he has made some terrible films. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I I, I think it's... um, Yeah, I, I think it's the mark of a of a mature reviewer to be like, okay, well here's the totality of the work. These are the things I liked. These are the things I didn't like. These are the things where it's a cool idea, just not that well executed. Um, yeah. Cause I, uh, something mm-hmm. that I just don't like in society or like when people are like, dude, I freaking hate Shyamalan. Like I wish he would yeah. stop making films. I'm like, ah, oh, well that's a ridiculously strong emotional reaction to a person who like you don't know like he's not forcing you to watch his films so like and you don't know the guy yeah yeah like you don't know him yeah so it's like i don't know like he seems like a nice person i mean Mm -hmm. it's like you can you can be a nice person and i can still be like oh yeah like i kind of like your stuff like yeah 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 and as i like eventually want to get my novels published i realize i have to open myself up to Mm -hmm. that level of criticism Mm -hmm. um and like even if i say as i say like these films that he's done are like terrible or something. I think in my head, if he had heard that, that would be like, and for him, like possibly a direct attack on him because sure. it's like a personal thing. Yeah. that He's invested time and energy yeah. into creating and it's hard to make mm-hmm. a movie, mm-hmm. um, let alone like any creative effort. Yeah. So 
yeah, I I want to be mindful of that too. Oh, yeah. Where I do offer constructive criticism, right? But I also need to receive that as well. Yes, and understand that there are people who say it because they do want to be mean, but there mm-hmm. are also people who say it because they want you to like create better content right. and improve as right. a creator. Yeah, and I also think that um, you know something that I'm a point I'm trying to get to, particularly with the different art and entertainment that I consume. I'm trying to be very mindful of overtly Mm -hmm. saying, well, there's certain things that like, I just don't like. It's like, this could be the greatest thing ever. Like there are certain movies where it's like, like, you know, something like game of Thrones. I mean, like I kind of joke, I'm like, ah, what is this nonsense? (laughs) I mean, at the end of the day, I like, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. Like Uh really my whole thing. It's like, I don't really enjoy it, but that's a completely subjective thing. Sure. And because I know like there's tons of stuff like, you know, that like I listen to and Naomi sort of like rolls her eyes like why? Like, right. don't she's like listen to like don't play the song in the car because I don't want to hear it for an hour. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the way I try to be like, yeah, because I, I think that there's too many like personal attacks about people's art. It's like that's just that's yeah. not a nice way to be. Yeah. And like this is a human being with feelings. Exactly. And I and I think that there's a difference between saying like, oh, well this thing and this thing and this thing on a technical level could mm-hmm. have been better. I think that this film or this piece of music or this whatever would better serve the audience and would have a better impact of what the artist said they want to do if these things mm-hmm. were done differently. Right. Like, that's different from being like, yeah, Shyamalan sucks. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Instead of it being love it or hate it. Right. It's... Like, what about it? Like, at, going to that deeper mm-hmm. conversation yeah. instead of the service, oh, I hate this thing. Or, yeah. I love this. It's the greatest thing ever. It's like, but why? And, mm-hmm. like, what are the deeper workings yeah. of that? Because you as a person are deeper than just saying the surface level right. stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so with that being said, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so what, uh, yeah, what, so, like, what uh, happens in, in, in your novel? Right. There's, okay. there, there, there's some type of chemical under yes undertone yes there are people in this world who can use one of the four elements mm-hmm. water earth wind or fire mm-hmm. um and then there are people who can morph into any creature that they desire to and these are two people groups that are had been in constant conflict with each other and have only relatively recently come to like peaceful terms mm-hmm. although there's still tensions and it takes place um in the part of the world where people who morph into animals, shapeshifters, I'll call them for now. Sure. Um, there's a main character who uses fire, um, and her family is of an elemental family, okay. control elements. But she lives with people who only shapeshift. And so there's a disconnect for her culturally and also um, like identity-wise with where she belongs. Um and what ends up happening as the first part of this larger story, this first novel, is her school gets held under siege by this extremist group. Mm-hmm. Um, the extremist group does not seize the school just for the heck of it and to make a statement. They're actually trying to steal something from the government of the country she lives in okay. and then go back to their country and save it because it's war-torn. They end up getting stuck trying to escape and so they take refuge in this school and hold it hostage okay. they're trying to figure a way out of the situation and it's told from both their perspectives until they converge mm. into mm-hmm. this school hostage crisis mm-hmm. where neither one of them wants right. the situation to happen um and 
so the story is like in this situation that's happening like who do you root for and you right. see the different beliefs and ideologies of both sides the different conflicts mm-hmm. of both sides mm-hmm. and i want the reader to care about both of them right yeah um but it's really to present those two ideas sure and then this is a powder keg for a larger conflict that comes on in later books gotcha gotcha no i dig it i dig it yeah and yeah you know um yeah it sounds very much like um thinking through and tackling issues that we are experiencing now but Mm -hmm. you know maybe doing it under the guise of like fictional races so it's so it's Mm -hmm. not so it doesn't necessarily it maybe kind of like softens the blow Mm -hmm. um but yeah but it's just like oh you know like no it's it you know it's it's an allegory to you know to modern times and you know political and cultural and racial conflict which Mm -hmm. you know is i mean kind of the hallmark of human existence yeah so um so like does it take place on planet earth does it take place on another planet or is it like on planet earth but like not a planet earth that we would recognize even if it is happening in like you know 2019 yeah it would be called like the name of the planet's different it would be more or less earth um, right. Just this version's world version sure. of that. Yeah. This world's version of that. However you say that. Yeah, I I, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Um. But the time period that it takes place in is, uh, their calendar is like, I haven't quite figured that out yet. But gotcha. I want technology wise it to be early two thousands. Okay. So All right. like, a mobile cell phone, a Nokia phone is mm-hmm. the only thing. Sure. That they've got. Sure. Um. As like an advanced thing, and then yeah. like computers as well. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. So, so in, in writing this, Mm -hmm. is it like, how does, how does the writing or how has the writing process Mm -hmm. unfolded for you? Was it just sort of like, oh, I kind of got an idea for a thing I want to do, or it's like, I want to explore these ideas or like, did you have the ending? Like, like kind of walk me through how it's unfolded. Right. So it started off where I was, um, at home by myself and a thunderstorm was passing through. And this was when I was living in Illinois at the time before I went to college. Um, and I had my windows open and I had like a pretty good view of our backyard and like see the storm rolling in. And all of a sudden I got into my head, what if this storm was approaching um, in this world? And there were two characters, an older sister and a younger brother that were taking refuge inside of a grocery store because that storm was coming after them. Um, and the story's, started off there and it was very Mm -hmm. different than what it is now gotcha um how the characters are and look changed over time um and i just wrote it out as like this short little story Mm -hmm. idea i thought this is going to be a short story that i write and then maybe submit it somewhere but i'm not going to go anywhere with it but i found myself getting attached to these characters Mm -hmm. and this idea and i kept writing more and i kept filling out the lore for it Mm -hmm. um and starting to Instead of just saying it's this brother and sister, uh, what if the brother was cursed um, and mm-hmm. he was a statue? Mm-hmm. Um, and like he was cursed because his parents did something. And so they're try- him and his sister are trying to figure out how to undo this curse or yeah. something. And it just slowly morphed over time, like going to school and then being at Drexel from that into characters that could use the elements. Mm-hmm. And then I changed the setting with that a little bit. And wanted to make a story relatable to me and how right. I grew up moving around a lot and not feeling mm. like I mm-hmm. fit in anywhere mm-hmm. um, and express that through a main character, which I don't think has been done very often. 
No, yeah, stories. I don't think it has. Yeah, yeah. Let alone fantasy. I don't think that's yeah. the standard at all. Um, and then eventually that changed. Where I'm like, I don't want this to be like another urban fantasy setting where there are these characters that have powers in modern day and like right. how do they adapt to that? So I changed the setting again, which was a big overhaul for me. It's like sure. how do I rethink all mm-hmm. of this that I've created so far? Yeah. Um, but eventually, over like Christmas break. Uh, the second to last year before I graduated, all this inspiration came out. I'm like, I'm going to add in characters that can morph into animals. And that changes the dynamic of the story a little bit um, and offers a more interesting setting than just saying characters use elements, which you've heard that in plenty of stuff before. Um, And so then I started thinking, well, I also want to make it culturally based, Mm -hmm. like how things are different in this world than it just be like they're characters with superpowers. So culturally, like, what do the shapeshifters do that are different than what the people who use elements do? Mm-hmm. And that's how I got a lot of interesting ideas of what if this culture didn't use currency? Mm-hmm. What if instead of, like, going to grocery stores, they hunted for their food mm-hmm. so they can mm-hmm. shapeshift? And yeah. culturally, it's what they do, and that hasn't changed, even if they've entered more modern times. Um, and so I wanted to write all that out and express that into a story. Um and eventually I thought of, well, given like all the things that are happening in our world right now, how do I write something in the genre that I love that kind of is a form of escapism a lot of mm-hmm. the time? Like Lord of the Rings yeah. is great. I love yeah. it. But there's nothing about it um, in an aesthetic level that's relatable to our world. Definitely Absol- in themes yeah. there is, yeah. for yeah. sure. Um, but uh, something that people could still escape into the story, right. but like still see the world around them reflected back mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a story. Cause I don't want people to just read my novel and like be lost in it. Right. And like want to stay lost. I want people to read it and get lost, but also see these are some interesting ideas. And then they go back into the real world and see these are ideas that were still presented in that story. Mm-hmm. Just told in a different way. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. See, and like, uh, several things about that really resonate for me. One, I just, you know, I think it's really interesting. And I think part of, you know, at least my journey as an artist and as a creative is mm-hmm. taking these disparate influences and these things. It's like, oh yeah, like I, like I like all of these things mm-hmm. and I might be the only person that is synthesizing them. But if I'm going to create something, I want to be able to like, you know, to, to bring in this thing and this thing, but then mm-hmm. this thing too, even mm-hmm. though that might not historically exist in the genre. Right. Um, because I think that that is part of just like, it's, it's like with anything, like I feel like human beings are always just trying to have peace and reconciliation in their lives, no mm-hmm. matter what, even if it's like, Oh man, my two, my two friends who I really love from, from college hate yep. this guy that I work with and I mm. want to hang out with all three of them and mm. I got to try to figure out a way for them to all get along. Right. Like even on some basic level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, like, you know, so, like some of that, those stories are things that like I find super interesting of like, oh, well, like this thing is usually kind of an escapist thing, mm-hmm. but like I'm, but like they're kind of going there with it, which yeah. I think it's one of the reasons why like I love the Captain America series yeah. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, especially because the first Captain America film, the first Avenger, yeah. is so kind like on a certain level, like very, very it's very absolutist and very like it's like you literally have occult mm-hmm. Nazis yep. who have crazy vibranium 
you know, uh, tesseract guns yes. that like make people like vaporize into thin air. Right. And it's it's very like, here are the good people, here are the bad people. Yep. Yep. And then by like Civil War, like Captain America is like really this person with that like he doesn't yep. know where he fits in. Right. And you know his mind kind of went through the ringer during the Winter Soldier because he's mm-hmm. like. What's happening? This thing that I believed in is no longer the thing. Mm-hmm. Hydra's infiltrated Shield, and now mm-hmm. like he's literally at odds with like half of the people that he like swore fidelity to. Exactly, and he's really trying to figure out how that works. And yeah. so, yes, it's a cool, crazy action movie, and like the Winter Soldier is so yeah. badass. But it's yeah. like no, like you're actually kind of thinking about right. some stuff, and I like that, especially because. That's not what I expected when I went into the movie. Because I'm like, oh, it's just going to be part two of the first Captain America. And then I'm like, oh, whoa, well, like it's lean and mean, and it's yeah, coming. Yeah. yeah, like this is actually like they're kind of like going there with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's um, yeah, I think that's super interesting, um, and something that is maybe tied to that, maybe not. But I'm going to ask. Mm-hmm. So how much of this, mm-hmm. if it is at all, yes, is really your particular experiences Mm -hmm. as a black person in this country in this particular time how much yeah like i mean is it 10 percent, zero percent 99 percent or do you not even know yeah that is a good question i want to say with the very the character the main character Mm -hmm. and it's a girl and her name is anna tamison anna rose tamison um she is going to have a good portion of the things that I experienced growing up of mm-hmm. moving from place to place and kind of being a lone wolf and not really fitting in anywhere. Right. Ha- ha- Which is just sort of like the standard, oh, like I'm I'm a new kid in this town. And so like, I'm just, I'm kind of alienated, not necessarily racially or like economically, but just like, yeah. oh, well, like I'm new here. Like they all went to, they've all known each other since preschool and like I'm the new dude and it's like fifth grade or whatever. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. But even culturally too, just yeah. within the context of the story. But yeah, that being different. Um, and also, let me think. Beyond that, it's like her personality too. Like I've put some of my personality mm-hmm. into various characters yeah. and it gets the most because it's easier for me to write experiences that I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as far as like writing from a girl's perspective, that's why I asked my friends who are girls. Yeah. Does this sound like sure. a 16 year old girl? Or does right. it sound like a 25 year old man yeah. speaking to yeah. a 16 year old girl? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's very good that you're conscious of that. I, I usually uh, avoided that by not creating any characters that were women, yep. which, yeah, I mean, I don't really know if that's good or not, but yeah, we, yeah. Uh, when, when I was first starting writing, yeah, like that, that type of consciousness was not on our mind. So I was just like, I don't want to offend anyone. So I'm just going to completely act like women don't exist in my universe, right. which is probably very problematic. But yeah, no. I'm, I'm working to make myself better. Don't <laughs> yeah. judge me, John. I'm, I'm just not learning. judging. I'm just looking with a little scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah That's I, funny. Yeah. I will say I wanted to have it be a female lead because I like strong female mm-hmm. characters and stories. Um, I also attribute that to my mom sure. who yeah. loves to see like women, especially women of color, yeah. like doing action mm-hmm. and carrying their own weight and doing their own things. Yeah. Um, and so I want to see that in a story. Absolutely. And also yeah. this character is black. Mm-hmm. That's like race is not really how people differentiate each other in this sure. world. It's like more culturally based and okay. more like based on like, 
the power that you have, so like all of the people who use fire stick together, all the people who morph into a certain mm-hmm. animal mm-hmm. group stick together, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but I wanted to do that because I wanted like a black woman mm-hmm. who sports an afro, right? Um, has dark skin. Uh, take the spotlight as a mm-hmm. good main yeah. character, yeah. and hopefully, I, part of me hopes it can be a positive role model to right. black women, but also to have a different perspective mm-hmm. in the genre of fantasy and yeah. stories in general. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's a one that's one main hope that I have. Now, um, is it? Is it overtly mentioned that she's black in the story, or is it like inferred through things that at least black people would pick up on, or is it just not mentioned at all? But like you know that she's um, a black woman. Um, she, I describe my characters like when they're introduced, sure. and so you know she has an afro. You know okay. that her skin is dark, so you're yeah. like, okay, probably a black person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I did that because I don't want people to, I don't know, assume that it's mm-hmm. this that it could be any race mm-hmm. ambiguous because yeah. I feel like when stories like this maybe get translated to a different medium like film, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. I, I hope that these stories can be one right. day for us to write it. Yeah. Um, but I know there's arguments of like, well, that's not exactly what this author said when they wrote the right. character and yeah. like, it's more ambiguous. No, I want it to be clear because yeah. I want that representation. Right. Shown. Right. Yeah. And and I also think that it's important um like like these are some of the things that Naomi and I talk about is that even if even if the characters if there isn't something that people would consider like overtly or demonstrably black it's like well it, even if they're literally just talking about like what they're having for dinner if if the person that is creating it is like very clearly being like, Oh yeah, no, it is a black woman or it's a, you know, Pakistani transgender pusher. Like Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm intentionally creating Mm -hmm. this character that has this background and has this, you know, these physical characteristics, even if they're literally just talking about like eating spaghetti or whatever, like it, it's like, that's going to be the thing because one of the things that frustrates me is that there is really this sort of, well, characters in anything, especially sci-fi fantasy, they're default white. And if, if they're black, you know, it's about, it's some sort of like, again, mystical Afro-futurist allegory about mm-hmm. like the, the Yoruba power. And it's like, well, no, I mean, like, right. can't they just be like, that's cool if that's what someone's making. Yeah. Or... Yeah. Can it be a world that is like literally full of black people that like they have multiple complexions mm-hmm. and maybe that affects how the story unfolds or maybe it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, no, it's just the reality. Just like, right. If you go into Africa right now, there's a billion different shades or hell, I mean, go through Philly. Mm-hmm. You'll see literally 40 different shades of black people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but yeah, because I because I feel like that really sort of like ghettoizes us and tokenizes us of like well no like you can't be a mundane black person or 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 you can't be the sci-fi black person unless the sci-fi is is about your blackness yes there's a mold that you have to fit yeah and if you don't then it's not authentic right it's not like real it's not real it's not getting to the grit right it's like what are you talking about yeah i'm I'm black, but I can also like experience these other things that Absolutely. just as any other human being can. Yeah. 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 And so one of my favorite um, novelists is this guy, Colson Whitehead, mm-hmm. who 
Um, have you like? Do you know much about him? Have you heard of him? No, no, he's uh, yeah. I mean, he's he's been around for like fifteen or twenty years, but he he writes very just sort of like slice of life stories. Mm-hmm. But they're really about a lot of his experiences where he, you know, he so he's he's a black man. He and I think that he grew up like not with a lot of money. I think he might have just been raised by his mother and mm-hmm. he lived in Manhattan, but he was able to go to like fairly prestigious prep schools like mm-hmm. Phillips Andover and, and stuff like that. So, okay. and, and he's, I think in his fifties now, so he grew up in the eighties. So a lot of his books are just about being a black kid at prep school. Mm-hmm. And there's not necessarily a big thing where like the teacher calls him the N word or like yeah. his locker is defaced. Like it's more just sort of like, yeah, you know, you know, is it the eighties and you know, everyone's skateboarding and like maybe a racial thing comes up, mm-hmm. but it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's more about like subtle stuff, yeah. which is a, a lot of why I really gravitated to his mm-hmm. books because I grew up in the suburbs most of my life. You know, like most of my friends honestly were white growing up. Same. Um, you know, I Same. listened to, you know, Pink Floyd and Weezer and the Beatles. It's mm-hmm. like, like that's what I listened to. Yeah. Um, and so, like, reading Native Son and To Kill a Mockingbird, I'm like, I can't relate to this. Like, sure. I'm, it's, I don't doubt the authenticity of it, but, like, I, I don't know what that's like. Right. So that's why I really like Colson Whitehead's stuff. Hmm. But then he wrote a book a couple years ago, and um, I think I was, t- I was actually telling Tatiana about it. So it's a book called Zone One. You hmm. actually might want to check it out because it's super interesting. Or It's okay. basically, it's in... New York. So mm-hmm. it's it takes place in America and it's after this like big zombie takeover happens, but like most of the zombies have been killed, but there's still remnants of them around. Okay. And so people have these so this guy's job is he's basically a zombie hunter. Like that's what he does. Like okay. so so he so it, the the country is divided into different zones and he lives in zone 1. So like, like his this. so his job is like he 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 with this crew of people, they go around and they like go into abandoned buildings and make sure that zombies aren't there, and then they kill them. Ooh. So it's so it's super interesting because it's not like zombies are all around us. Right, you know, right, it's right. sort of like yeah, there's like five thousand zombies left in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So it's probably gonna take us like five years to kill them all. So yeah. like this is the day in the life of a zombie hunter. This is refreshing. Yeah, it's 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 super 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 interesting. Mm. And then the thing that is cool about it is that it's the first book that he wrote where Mm -hmm. when you're reading the synopsis because like all of his other books even though it's not about all of his other books they're very clearly about black characters but kind of unconventional stories like one is about like a black vacation community Mm. in new york one is about this like black author Mm -hmm. or like this sort of um like yeah like this guy who works for like a branding company that is going to this town to help them. It was, it's like this very rural white community that used to be an all black community, mm. but most people don't know that. And, uh. and they're trying to rename the town, but like there's all this tension. Right. So it's, so it's kind of like, you know, a, a gentrification allegory. Okay. Um, and, and he, and this, and the, the narrator is like, you know, it's just this sort of like intrepid journalist. Hmm. So with zone one, it's the first one of like, oh, yeah, like it's not really racially specific. So when right. I was reading it, mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, well, I'm like, well, is the character is the narrator black or is he not? Like it doesn't affect the story either right. way. Right. But I'm just like I'm like, this is just interesting because all of Colson Whitehead's characters have always been black and mm-hmm. it's been primarily black worlds. So mm-hmm. maybe like 70 percent of the of 
reading through the novel, you figure out that he's black just because of like things that like are said. Like, and it's one of those things that it's where it's like mm-hmm. white people or non-black people might get that he's black, but black people will definitely get it. just, it's like gotcha. a couple of things that are said and it's like, Oh yeah, he's black, but it really has no bearing on the yeah. story. So I'm like, I'm like, finally there, there is a cool sci-fi story by a black author mm-hmm. with a black person as the narrator and it doesn't go into all of the old, like, sort of stereotypical tropes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that setting. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, that, then that yeah, that was something. Yeah, I wanted to ask you. Well, um, I'm gonna look that up for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Please do. Yeah, and I'll I'll will send you. Yeah, like you know, a, like the Amazon link to it. Yeah, I mean, I I think at the very least, like yeah. you, you'll just find it a very interesting story. And I and I also like how mm-hmm. it's not like oh my god you know i've got to run from zombies it's just like oh yeah no like my my job is to kill zombies like like they're more an annoyance like a very scary annoyance right but it's like you've got a wolf in your backyard Mm -hmm. like it's a danger but it's not like the end of the world right absolutely absolutely yeah Yeah, it reminds me of world war z a little bit just Mm -hmm. how that story presented Mm -hmm. zombies in the aftermath yeah 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 most definitely most Mm -hmm. definitely um so uh, there were a couple more questions that yeah i just wanted to you know, ask you about mm-hmm. future work that you're, you know, that you plan on doing and just mm-hmm. like your thoughts around it. So, yes. Um, as far as you can tell with the stories that you're going to write, like mm-hmm. how, how much does the racial reality or, you know, what we know of in modern society of mm-hmm. race, how much is that going to, be overtly or articulated in matter in the work that you're creating. Yeah. It's like a dominant conflict within the story. Yeah. 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 Just like, because, you know, because like something that I'm, uh, yeah, just like wondering is, Mm -hmm. are you going to continue to make more stories like this or like, you know, like, like, are you always going to have black narrators or protagonists like you know as the in the head as the sort of like the focal point of the books that you're writing mm-hmm. regardless of how much their melanin affects how people interact with them right um or is that something you're still figuring out then probably something i'm still figuring out mm-hmm. um i definitely know that's i i don't want to create stories where people associate my name with uh guy's always going to talk about racial things within the context of different genres and then that being a trope of it of itself because i don't really want to do that either with this story Mm -hmm. i i made this character black because to be honest i would just like to see that yeah um and i'm not gonna have her do like stereotypical or like traditional black things Mm -hmm. within this universe she's just that's her skin color. yeah yeah um yeah my my goal is more of to Number one, present perspective within stories. Mm, mm-hmm. Because something that Miyazaki taught me with how he makes movies is that no one is really all good and really mm-hmm. all bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of complexity to people. Um, people think that they're doing the right thing yeah. from their perspective. Now, I think there is like a definite right and wrong depending on where your actions lead you. Yeah. Like if you end up killing someone, more than likely you're in the wrong somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to show like with this first novel... These extremists are called that because 
the people are like, what else do we call these people who are like raiding our country right. and trying to take something from ours? Right. The problem is historically their country used to be prosperous. Mm-hmm. And then because of what this country mm-hmm. did to it in the past, mm-hmm. it's now war torn. Yeah. So now it's just come back mm-hmm. on them. Mm-hmm. And now this terrible situation comes about and it brings about a whole host of consequences that all happened in the past. Yeah. Something that I like a lot and I'm realizing is seeing how history is playing out again in modern day, mm-hmm. um, but also how much history does affect the present. Mm-hmm. If you don't know it, mm-hmm. um, you don't see the root of where things started. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. One thing that helped, one is one inspiration for like why I have my story the way it is at the moment is thinking about how did we get to the September 11 attacks mm-hmm. and really the war on terror? Yeah. And if I trace back through history and it probably maybe goes back farther than this, it starts with like World War One, mm-hmm. how that mm-hmm. created World War Two. Yeah. How that created the Cold War mm-hmm. and a and the largest countries, America and the USSR, mm-hmm. using other countries as proxy wars mm-hmm. fighting um, against democracy, or at least America, I should say, and then fighting mm-hmm. against um, communism, mm-hmm. and then that essentially tearing up countries. Right. Um, and then now they have a broken system that they're right. struggling with on top of trying to uh, come back to prosperity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like now you have a situation where all of this happened and people then grow up with an ideology and belief that this is why my country is the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to retaliate mm-hmm. in this very radical and very mm-hmm. extremist mm-hmm. terrorist mm-hmm. way. But it's not like random because right. it came from somewhere. Absolutely. It's like tracing back through the history. Yeah. Um, and so I want to show that to people. It's like, don't take this person who's doing these actions as like a bad person for absolutely no reason. Right. It came from somewhere. Right. I am not justifying sure. the actions, but I do want to show the perspective as to how mm-hmm. we got there. Yeah. Um, and the other large thing, just with this story in particular, that I want to do is uh, the main character like uh, experiences like a coming to faith in this story mm-hmm. uh, and comes to believe in God and sure. their version of Jesus. Um, and I want to show how that comes and then she experiences a ton of struggle mm-hmm. and trials that are far greater than yeah. anything she's experienced before. And she's wrestling with that, like, I believe that there's a God who cares for me and loves me, but I'm experiencing this intense suffering. Right, yeah. Um, and present faith in a more authentic way. Mm-hmm. And I think I've seen in film or in stories where it feels presented in a very safe fashion. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you believe in God, and, like, you're going through a trial of, like, you don't have the job you want or... Like, the situation is very bad. Like, how do we get through it? And I think of, like, cheesy Christian films, to be mm-hmm. honest. Yeah, I yeah. Think of this. And, and it's not to knock them, because I know some people... I know people do get a lot of hope sure. and inspiration. Yeah. But it, prevent, it presents a limited view of how people experience, like, suffering and the hardships of this life while believing in yes. God. Um, yeah, and I, I feel like those movies are kind of like the religious versions of romantic comedies... Where it's like, it's like, yeah, like, it's like, yeah, like the Hallmark Channel serves its purpose of like, I went to the grocery store and Mrs. Wright showed up. And it's like, yeah, that usually doesn't happen. That's a cool thing to watch when you're Mm -hmm. like 14. But then like, you got to like move through the world and like, no, the world doesn't like, even if you meet Mr. or Mrs. or person, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah. And then there's going to be a certain point where you're like, 
why did I marry this person? Like, what is going? Like, mm-hmm. what? This person's crazy. Or like, they're the greatest person ever and yeah. their entire family's crazy. It's like, yeah, but you're stuck with them. Right. Yeah, no, I feel that. And honestly, this is just my take, you know, and I'm sure. like, I'm not someone, like I said, you know, like I went to Christian elementary mm-hmm. school and middle school. Um, mm-hmm. Like my, my grandmother was a strong Christian. My parents are very strong Christians now. They weren't when I was growing up and they honestly sent me to the school, I think, just because it was like a good school to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, you know, I'm. I wouldn't describe my some myself as someone uh, of the faith, like in the way that I think most Americans perceive it. But sure. I'm definitely, I'm not an atheist. I believe that there is mm-hmm. a God or a singularity or like a you know uh, an infinite intelligence that guides all of the universe, mm-hmm. um, even the painful parts. And I do think I do believe in the power of prayer and communing with that source and like. Mm-hmm working to have it empower you to be your best person not like oh you know uh god give me a hundred dollars because i can't right. you know like i don't i don't believe in santa claus god yeah. Yeah. and having said that mm-hmm. one i think that most presentations of god that i've seen in media are or like the like the like the hokey movies of like we prayed and little Timmy was cured of cancer. And it's mm-hmm. like, mm, uh, yeah, like, and I believe in the power of prayer, but it's yeah. like, yes, there's so yeah. much behind it. It's not just like 10 people prayed for five minutes and then literally everyone's problems right. went away. Right. Or it's the, um, or it's a lot of the sort of like, Oh, look at this. Look at this well-meaning, but misguided fanatical person who like thinks that like, you know, they mm-hmm. were bad things were, were done upon them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like they're seeking vengeance in the name of God or, or it's sort of mm-hmm. like treating God like a trinket where like people go to church, but like that's all that happens. And if you didn't see mm-hmm. that scene of them going to church, you would have no idea or, you know, or whatever their house exactly. of worship is. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know why that is, but I, yeah. I think that a lot of Americans really have this weird, um, thing of like if a person just says that they went to church it's like well dude no don't try to convert me it's like well, mm-hmm. they're literally just telling you what they did yeah like mm-hmm. they're not trying to they're not trying to like trick you or they're not trying to like make you do something you're not trying to do mm-hmm. and i also feel that like just even in america in general like if people talk about how their faith guides the decisions that they make. Mm-hmm. A lot of people view that as being preachy. It's like, no, like, no. I mean, we we wouldn't bat an eyelash like if someone is like, oh, well, like, you know, I was poor growing up, so, like, that's mm-hmm. why I do advocacy on behalf of the homeless. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's yeah. fine. Because, yeah. like, I have no tons of people who are like, oh, I like, I'm in this line of work because of my relationship with Christ or my relationship with mm-hmm. this entity. And it's like, all right, well, like, cool Mm -hmm. like i i don't view that as preaching yes you know yeah very much and 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 so like in the world of um any type of art that's consumed i feel like people kind of lose their mind if there's any type of deeper dive into like what does my spiritual or religious faith mean to me so i actually Mm -hmm. think the fact that you're incorporating that into this Mm -hmm. i think like i'm very curious to see how people Yes. deal with that because i feel like a lot of people will will just sort of project mm-hmm. a lot of their particular issues with what they perceive yes. air quotes religion to be onto what you're saying regardless right. of what you say yes that's very true and 
like one reason I I do want to do this not only because like I want to share the gospel and share mm-hmm. Jesus with people is because it's a part of my life story yeah. too because I I came to faith in college mm-hmm. um and I know very much so that because of that I was able to endure like 5 years of a school that I really didn't enjoy what I was learning mm-hmm. and what I was doing but I I had to cling to God because I didn't really know yeah. what else I had. Yeah, um, that would get me through, and not just as a, as like use God to get me through this mm-hmm. hard situation, but trust that I'm loved despite like my situation and despite what I end up doing. Yeah, um, and I want to because I can express that in this character, mm-hmm. and I want to do that in a genuine way, yeah. not the I prayed five times and all of a sudden my magical thing went away. But right when I prayed that thing didn't happen Mm -hmm. or I still had situations where I failed or I suffered or I endured hardship, Mm -hmm. but I still had to cling to God because I chose to, because I believed what he said he was. Um, and that's, that's what I want to do. And regardless how people take that, I want that conversation to be opened up and not be closed. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think that, you would be you're, you would be doing yourself a disservice as an artist to not go there to a certain degree because I mean like that's that's so a part of who you are and you know I I mm-hmm. was having a conversation with a friend last night and he was mm-hmm. and yeah I've I've interviewed him uh, for this podcast as cool. well um, and he was just talking about how the more that he was just really honest with himself in the world with who he was the things that he was really looking for in life mm-hmm. to like, you know, really uh, expand him showed up because like, it's like, you know, he's, he's got to be himself. Mm-hmm. He can't be yes. someone else. Yeah. You know, um, you know, like, you know, anytime that I've created mm-hmm. works of art, like, you know, that sort of, yeah. Um, elements of kind of like faith being challenged or like, you know, overtly religious faith being challenged. I do not put into my work because that's not something that I personally have experienced. But I would imagine that if, like, my mother and father were creating work, it would make sense for them to put it in because, like, that's, you know, very much a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, very much, like, you know, with yeah. me, it's like, yeah, you know, but I do talk a lot about really sort of having my racial identity, mm-hmm. me having to defend my racial identity to myself because that's a thing that I have mm-hmm. gone through. Right. Whereas, like, my right. dad, probably not. Like, you know, my sure. dad grew up, you know, on the west side of Chicago around nothing but black people and listens to jazz and, like, you know, has only had black friends and, Mm -hmm. like, so, yeah, so that, yeah, so the experiences that, like, my dad and I have had on that level, yeah, so I think that's phenomenal what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, We just have a couple more Mm -hmm. minutes. I want to wrap things up. So this is something I'm just wondering about. Yes. Uh, So you you go to a church in West Philly? Yes. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So is it, and I... You know, I apologize if I if this sounds like su- I, I'm not intending this to sound like mean no. or like condescending. No, of course not. So is it like is it like like one of the cool like hip modern churches where like people have like guitars and tambourines? Is it like an old timey West Philly black church mm-hmm. where the service is like 47 hours <laughs> and everyone is like 92 years old and uh. the most impeccable suits ever? Or is it like some combination of all? I just, I just yeah. I find people's houses of worship choices mm-hmm. very interesting, and yeah. also um, I grew up Lutheran. I don't know if you know much about Lutheranism. Uh, I I don't know what I know. It's still a branch of Christianity. I don't know sure. like the doctrines. And stuff gotcha, like that. gotcha. Yeah. 
Um, well, so like the main, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very just, it's very Protestant, you know, it's, it's kind Mm -hmm. of a conventional Protestant church, but it's Lutheranism is based off of the teachings of Martin Luther, who was from Germany. So like, it's very German. Mm -hmm. It's so like when people think of like stereotypical, like white people church where it's Mm -hmm. like stand, sit and (laughs) like, that's what it's like. Um, now there are a fair, there's some black Lutherans in the church that I went to in southern california like the church was like 50 50 black white which mm-hmm. you know is the rarest thing ever wow. so i so a lot of the lutherans that i knew were black mm-hmm. and then when we moved to northern virginia like we were one of two black families in our church and then there was a, a lady who had immigrated from the caribbean mm-hmm. so when people hear me talk about like oh yeah i went to christian elementary school and like you know i you know a lot of people in my family were involved in the church people think the like old-timey baptist holy roller 10 hour sermons and I'm like yeah no mm. I that's literally not anything what my church yeah. experience was like right and yeah. and I just and I find a lot of just like the modern kind of like cool hip churches and I'm not like and I'm not saying that to like I, I hope it sounds like I'm not making fun of it no 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 um not. but it's no. also just so different from like the church that like I grew up in yeah. where it's like you know the minister in a robe and choirs in a robe right. and old timey German hymns mm-hmm. and then like mm-hmm. you know I have a fair amount of friends who like you know the pastor's got tattoos and wow. you know is like you know working on like an, a, a vegan beet farm and I'm like oh that's cool <laughs> like yeah that's neat yeah so yeah. so what kind of church do you go to yeah I think I would probably go somewhere in the middle okay because it's it's in West. So it's, so it's old black people with tattoos. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I that would be a sight to see. That that would oh. be like if if a church exists like that somewhere, I would want to see that. Yeah, where if it, it was like a seventy year old black woman, like you know, skateboarding. Yes. And yeah, like doing like X game stuff it, and listening to like I don't it know, has to. like yeah, listening to Pantera or something <laughs> that would blow my mind. Oh my gosh, yeah. I might have to find that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's. Well, definitely when I first started going there, it was more a mix of college students from University of Penn, mm-hmm. from Drexel, U Sciences, yeah. and then also people within the neighborhood of gotcha. West Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and then maybe some commuting outside of that. Um, it's become more like, I think, it's gotten a lot more college students as gotcha. of late, I want to say. Yeah. Um, and some people from like the original community like have since left. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still people who live in West Philadelphia that still go there. Yeah. But also people who live in North, uh, North what? No. Yeah, North Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and also come all the way down oh, that's to this cool. church as well. Yeah. Um, but no robes, no fancy dress. You, yeah. you dress in whatever you want. Yeah. Um, um, very grounded. Like you have a. A small band like guitar, mm-hmm. a couple of guitars, yeah. piano, um, and then drum kit, but nothing fancy. It's not um, a performance or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, very much like a family is how I would describe it, mm-hmm. and that's really how it feels like. Yeah. It's a community of people getting together, and it feels like a family gathering nice. um, every Sunday. Um, so yeah, it's probably like services are no more than like an hour. So not I've been to yeah. a three hours church sure, before sure, yeah, it was just yeah. one pastor yeah. who referred to himself in the third person. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. like, this is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I've yeah. I've been to that once. Yeah. Um but yeah, mine is more of like more structured, I definitely want to say. Okay. Um and I wanna say more traditional, conservative and like viewpoints, which I don't necessarily agree with all of that. Gotcha. But that's the church I'm at right now. Sure. And uh yeah. Nice. I I think that accurately describes mm-hmm. or more fully yeah. describes yeah. the question. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, wh- where is it located? It is located on 42nd in Baltimore. Okay. Technically 41st, I think. What's the name the of it? Uh, Covenant Community Church. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm just wondering. I, I've known a fair amount of people that have lived around there. Mm-hmm. And I once went to a concert that happened in a church on like somewhere around there. I mean, this was mm-hmm. like 10 years ago. So I'm okay. just wondering if it was yeah, that th- church. This was planted. I want to say f- it was planted a year before I started coming and I okay. came as a freshman okay. in 2013. So probably a different church. Okay. Definitely. Different gotcha. Church. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. That's yeah. very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so we're almost done, John. Okay. I want to thank you for coming into the, uh, Coming into the to the studio and mm. and giving me a chance to learn more, you know, a little bit about you and uh, mm. you know what you're working on. Thank you. Um, for so yeah, me. absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I I think this yeah this was a is a very cool story. Um, yeah, just learning your life story, your mm-hmm. your origin story. Um, so I guess the the final question. So I have a couple of final questions. Yep. Fire away. for you. Um, one, mm-hmm. if there are if there are like young people out there who are finding challenges with their faith, how you know, however they define that, mm-hmm. and and they're really kind of just like metaphorically hitting their head up against the wall. Mm. What what are some words of insight that you would maybe want to give to them to maybe uh ease the path a little bit hmm. i would definitely say don't go through that struggle alone if you are having struggles in faith or you're doubting that's something that any person who has faith i say has gone through in mm-hmm. some capacity so you're not abnormal it's not a weird thing you're not being like a heretical person or whatever right. yeah. label someone kind of throw at you um, I definitely talk with someone that you trust through those things and be candid about it. Um, um, but also I would say is talk to God too. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone listening might think that's a random and weird thing to say, but like if God knows everything, then he knows your thoughts, your pain, your suffering. And he also empathizes with you in that because through Jesus, he also endured those things. Mm, but mm-hmm. if he knows everything about you, there's nothing that you experience that you should hide from him because he already knows. Yeah. So bring it to him and just express it. And that's if that's in anger, if that's in sorrow, if that's in absolute frustration, confusion, whatever it is, bring it to him because it doesn't intimidate him. And he's not going to like send fire and right. brimstone on right. you. No. He loves you very much. Um, and he understands, but you have to talk to him because he wants to hear you mm, and he's mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given you people to talk through these struggles mm-hmm. with. So if that's parents, friends, whatever, um, talk to them too, but also talk to him yeah. and know that you can always, always. Excellent. Thank you for sharing that. And, uh, so, um, so when John arrived at my house today and, uh, you know, we, we walked into the living room together, my wife took notice of of his shirt. You have a very particular shirt I do. on. Will you tell the, the, the good listening audience what your shirt says? My shirt says, I am Groot. And the quote is from, I am Groot. With that being said, 
Uh, which do you like more, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 or Volume 2? Ooh, Volume 2, for sure. Really? Yes. Man. Yeah, I know. It, it might be a controversial that, opinion, I think that's a little yes. bit of a contra- like, but yeah, yeah, take a few minutes to like walk me through that one. Yeah. Because, I mean, if, if I got to choose number one or number two, I'm choosing number one all the time. Yeah. That's me, yeah. you know, if I'm being honest. Yeah. But number two. And normally I would agree with the mm-hmm. number one film is usually right. in a trilogy the best. Yeah. But with this, I liked in the first one, Rocket Raccoon, mm-hmm. Groot, and Drax. This mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. I didn't really care for Gamora and Quill as much because I think the depth of their characters that they have just didn't get displayed. It was more of surface level stuff and gotcha. jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the story was like, it was all right. The second one though, diving into Gamora's past with her mm-hmm. sister, diving mm-hmm. into Quill's past with his mom mm-hmm. and his dad, mm-hmm. who's the biggest. I think he's the worst Marvel villain, period. Yeah. The stuff that he did. Yeah, pretty reprehensible. Yeah. Pretty reprehensible. Yeah. But you get, like, still rocking. You get mm-hmm. Groot, even as a baby, and yeah. it's adorable. Yeah, um, And also Drax with all his nonsense. Yes, um, yes. And I just liked that. It was, I think it was more disjointed story-wise. Like, the yeah. first one definitely had a more straightforward mm-hmm. narrative and yeah. was smoother. But the second one died into the characters better for me. Yeah. Um, had like a more compelling villain. I think also the sequence with Wham Bam with Silver mm, mm-hmm. um, and the gold people attacking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I love that scene a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just had more like moments like that that I thoroughly enjoyed. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, John, thank you very much. I appreciate you taking uh, you know time out of your saturday to come you know share uh, you know a bit about yourself i I feel like we we had a fairly uh open and candid Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. you know which is good i mean since this is literally the only the second time that we've ever spoken to each other and the first time that we're we're actually seeing each other in person so Mm -hmm. um yeah thank you very much and uh yeah all right folks thanks for listening yeah